0: Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly.
3: Hey, it's Gonzano I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence.
2: Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Bald Baldface Truth.
1: Well, what's going on, everyone? It, it is here. It is time. This does seem like the official start the college football season week one is tonight we got some college football games tonight i am Stephen vaughn i'm with judy Newby as well we're filling in for john as john kazano is down in salt lake city at the university of utah for the utah florida game he will be joining us later on in the show tell us the vibes down there tell us what he is seeing what he's feeling it's a big game for the pac 12 Florida coming into Utah, I believe it's the first time Florida has left the state of Florida non-conference game, true road game since 1991, something like that, like 30 years, 30 plus years for Florida to leave the state of Florida and go on the road for a true road game in the non-conference and it's at Utah, which is kind of interesting, I think that uh, kind of explains where Utah is in there just in their, uh, in, in the realm of the national football or college football scene right now. Like that's how big time Utah is. They are legitimate, a legitimate football program. Head over to the big 12. I don't want to talk about the conference realignment. This is, it's football time. It, it, there was a week zero, but like I said, today, it, today is the opening. You know, the NFL, they kicked their season off on a Thursday night, which is one week from today. Lions taking on the chiefs. So college football, it only makes sense for them to start on a Thursday as well. I can't wait for it. Of course, there's always going to be that dark cloud of the realignment heading over college football all season long, but I'm going to try to 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 ignore that as much as I can because I do love the on-field stuff. Um, And then, of course, Saturday, Oregon, they're taking on Portland State down at Autzen Stadium. And then Sunday, the standalone game, it'll be Oregon State down in San Jose taking on the Spartans of San Jose State. And Brent Brennan, former assistant coach of Oregon State, just a nice game for a week one matchup. Um, and that's kind of what I want to start off here. I want to start off, you know, talking about you know the Ducks and the beeves heading into week one. What what are we expecting out of those two teams? Because I think in the one game for Oregon, Oregon taking on Portland State, there's really not gonna be a lot that we can learn about this team. Right? Like I you know, I respect Portland State, I respect Bruce Barnum, he's a great guest. Uh, you know, he's done a lot of good things with that program. But Oregon is just going to out talent them. They're gonna be bigger, they're gonna be faster, they're gonna be stronger. They may, you know, they may or may not be as as well coached as Portland State. We still don't know that. Dan Lanning, we don't know the exact, you know, ability of him on like on the sidelines as an X's and O's coach. We still don't know that. That's one thing we're gonna to try to hopefully learn. I don't think we're gonna learn it in this game against Portland State, but that's still a question. But I think on the field usually get it, Oregon should dominate this game. But With that being said, there's still some things I want to see out of the University of Oregon on Saturday down in Autzen Stadium when they're taking on Portland State. And Troy Franklin, he talked about it earlier this week. Dan Lanning talked about it a little bit, too. Like, just the cleanliness of the whole thing, right? Like, that's what I want to see. Troy Franklin, he talked about this. I'll play the sound in a little bit here. You know, he talked about no self-inflicted wounds, wants wants the offense to be clicking. And that's what I want to see as well. I want to see not a lot of mistakes. Because week one, week zero, that's when a lot of mistakes are made. We've seen some upsets happen right there. Oregon's not going to get upset. But what I want to see is Oregon's offense, especially where they left off last season when Bo Nix was healthy. Because I'm assuming Bo Nix is going to be about as healthy as he was last season. Is he going to be running as much? Maybe not against Portland State. But he's going to be healthy enough to move around and make all the plays. I want to see the offense clicking I want to see the offense doing its thing, making some big plays. And as Troy Franklin said uh, after practice, you know, just the offense, no self-inflicted wounds is what we want.
0: Um, not beating ourselves, you know, not like beating ourselves, no self-inflicted wounds, um, just executing everything at a high level um, and doing what we know we're supposed to do against a team
2: like Portland State.
1: That's exactly what it is, doing what we expect to do against a teams like Portland State. So I don't think there's much we can learn offensively for the Ducks. Now defensively, same thing. I don't think there's a lot we can learn, but there are some things I want to see. I do want to see the Ducks make some plays in the defensive backfield, get through the line of scrimmage, make some plays, get some tackles for loss, maybe get some pressure on the quarterback, because that's where Oregon struggled last season. I also want to see how they react on third downs. Portland State, they got some athleticism. Bruce Barham talks about this may be one of the more athletic teams that they've ever had at Portland State, especially a quarterback. How does Oregon handle that? Can they get off the field on third down? Last season, they were 120th in the nation in third down percentage to get off the field. They they couldn't do it, and that's what cost them against Washington last season. Can they prove that? I also want to see, you know, get some turnovers. I think that's big. Dan Lanning talked about that. How, you know, how your team does in, you know, week one and the bowl game, there's a lot of turnovers, a lot of plays like that. That's what you need to do. This team is very competitive. They need to focus on takeaways. They need explosive or, uh, Pay attention to explosive plays, offensively and defensively. I think that's big. And it's a big season, I think, for Dan Lanning on the defensive side of the football. He's known as a defensive guy. Defense coordinator of Georgia, national champions, comes over to Oregon. That Oregon defense, not great. I need to see some improvement, even if it is week one. It doesn't have to be a shutout. It doesn't have to be a complete domination of the game from start to finish. But it does have to have some explosive plays on the defensive side, and that's what I want to see. When you think about Georgia, like you think about the size that they have and all the NFL talent they have, but what they also do is think about when Georgia played Oregon in week one. It was explosive plays on defense. It was interceptions that you weren't expecting. It was plays in the backfield that you weren't necessarily expecting. And that's what I want to see from Oregon taking on Portland State because that's the mismatch that it should be. Oregon wants to be on the college football playoff level. They want to be there. They need to dominate teams like Portland State. And as Dan Laning said, the team needs to focus on takeaways and explosive plays. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we've shown our players. You know, there's more turnovers in college football in week one and then in the bowl week than there is uh, at any other time of the season. There's more missed tackles in week one and then the bowl game than there is any other time of season. That's because of the long vacancy between games. Um, So starting there. But ultimately, you know, college football is still about explosive plays and takeaways, right? So those are things that we want to create, you know, defensively as far as
2: takeaways, and offensively we want to create explosives.
1: And it's a different type of game between the NFL and college football. Like, yes, the NFL is about explosive plays and takeaways also, but I don't think that's the main point in the NFL. In college football, that's what it is. You need to create those type of plays, especially when you are a team like Oregon and you recruit on the level like Oregon does. You need to dominate in those certain aspects of the game against a team like Portland State. Now, Portland State is going to provide, you know, a little bit of a fight. And Bruce Barnum, when he came on the show, he talked about that. Like, this is a solid team they have in Portland State. But Oregon should still dominate this game. And they should win by... Four or five touchdowns, and it should be pretty easy. And the offense should be clicking. The defense should be making some plays. And that's what I need to see in Week One. We'll bring Judah Nubian now. At this point, uh, Judah, you know, the Ducks taking on Portland State. I know it's you know it's going to be a huge point spread. That spread's not out yet. Usually, those FCS versus FBF games come out day of. Um, you know, I don't know what I would lean on that one. I imagine it's going to be you know in the 30s somewhere in that point spread. But you know, you look at Oregon taking on Portland State. Portland, State, you know, Brisbane talks about how athletic they are, and is, is this going to be any type of matchup? And what are you looking for out of the Ducks? Because I expect them to win, but like, what is there anything in particular you're looking for that we can maybe hopefully learn going forward with the Ducks? Yeah,
0: it's hard to learn anything new, and I think you 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 make a good point there. The Texas Tech, that's going to be where you learn some stuff. I don't know that you learn anything. That being said, I, I can't wait to see him. Like, I really want to see him, right? I want to see Jordan Birch in a Duck uniform. I want to see Tess Johnson in a Duck uniform. I want to see Bo Nix back out there slinging it. I really, I'm interested to see what the offense, just the base offense looks like. Everything is going to be base, right? Like, there, there's going to be nothing uh, that Oregon's going to be showing that, that, you know, Texas Tech will, will get to apply in their game planning. It's gonna be simple. It's gonna be bad, but I wanna see what the simple stuff looks like. I wanna see what uh who starts, you know, on on defense. I want to see the the secondary for Oregon. You know, how does Kyrie Jackson look? You know, this time last year, I was so pumped to see how Christian Gonzalez was gonna look just because like he was already projected to be a first round pick in the NFL um by some places going into the year, and I was really looking forward to that. Kyrie Jackson, you know, he's a transfer portal guy, but from Alabama. Yeah. He's six three from Alabama. You give me a six foot three corner from Alabama and expect me not to get excited? <laughs> like I, I'm gonna be looking forward to seeing how he looks. And you know, a game like this, you're just you wanna see the ball go through the hoop. That that's it, right? That's the difference between college football and the NFL as well. Every regular season game in the NFL packs a punch and it, it really matters, obviously, to the standings, to the playoff race, etc., whereas you'll get little appetizer games like this. I'm curious, though, for Duck fans, do you you prefer a Portland State at home week one, or do you prefer the big neutral site, you know, power five opener to start the season? And maybe... That question answers itself given the way last year opened, but I do wonder what what fans prefer just from a viewing standpoint. Yep. But they should be able to win, obviously, pretty easily on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe if it's like a Texas Tech instead of a Georgia at a neutral site, like that game maybe a little more. Because I think when you play Georgia, you know, yeah. you don't want to see that anymore. But I'm, I'm well, t- Where
0: were you on the, on the Georgia game?
1: We were both laying the Bulldogs. Yeah, we were both laying the points of Georgia I, seventeen and a half. Yeah. right? it's kind of yeah. kind of happened what I thought would happen. I in that think game. I think I had
0: Georgia and the under, which both came through. Sadly for Oregon fans,
1: which is wild because Georgia scored what fifty six or something. Yeah, forty nine. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, yeah pretty <laughs> much. Fifty 40, points. Pretty much.
0: Forty two three at halftime, right? And they won forty nine three. Yeah, that sounds about something right. like that. I I remember going to the grocery store at halftime of the game and. Tons of Duck fans were in the grocery store because everybody left. Everybody stopped watching. Yeah.
1: They got their weekend shopping on because the game was over at halftime. I was like, wow, this is weird. But I think you got a good point there also. You know, talking about the, the new offense with Will Stein, like, it's, you know, it should be fine, right? Like, and you know, Gonzalo talked about how it's going to still be fine. I think it'll still be fine as well. Losing Kenny Dillingham is a big loss, but Will Stein I think has a lot of growth, a lot of potential as well. It's one of those things where it, it's just no given, right? And it's, <laughs> Bo Nick's He's with another coordinator now, mm-hmm. and but it's his second season with the Ducks. I think he's very comfortable where he was at last season. I'm shocked he came back, to be honest, after losing Dillingham. I thought he was gone, but you know, he must have got that uh, like a sweet, sweet NIL deal, and he got the uh, billboards.
0: Got the billboards. Got the
1: billboards, got the got Heisman the push.
0: Where do you think he is on an NFL radar? <sighs> he's listed at 6'2". I don't think he's 6'2". He's probably 6'1" and a little bit generous on the roster sheet. I, I'm trying to place his NFL stock, but right now I'd probably see him as a mid-round pick, maybe third-round guy, and maybe he can perform this year to a level that gets on top of that. But look at, you know, Duggan last year, Heisman finalist, goes seventh round and waved by the Chargers at the end of it. You know, like, you can have a great college year and it, it really so much more uh, can dictate where you land in the NFL draft. I'm I'm not sure where I can place Bo right now.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, you you've seen it everywhere. I mean, I know there's some draft guys that say he could be a first round pick, but I'm with you. I think it's more of a mid round pick because I you know I look at it like Kenny Pickett, right? Like Kenny Pickett was baller. a baller at Pitt <laughs> at Pittsburgh. Like that guy could sling it. He was setting records, and I don't think Bo Nix is on that level. Kenny Pickett was you know a mid first round pick, right? Like so, I you're know,
0: the only QB in the first right. round. 2022 right went yeah. 20th to Pittsburgh yeah cuz
1: Malik you know. Willis was you know considered and then he went what a uh third tough, round
0: tough draft for qbs Oof. man yeah
1: and so i just think you know right now there are a lot of good quarterbacks good young quarterbacks so i don't think teams are necessarily going to be you know Licking their chops to go up there and get Bo Nix. Right, I, I think... you
0: got Drake May, you got Caleb, you got Rattler potentially. By the way, Rattler plays Drake May Saturday. Yeah. South Carolina, North Carolina. That'd... Quinn, Quinn, you where's another Ewers, guy that yeah. could be in
1: it? Uh, yeah. you
0: know, DJ, who little I, that's a sneaky one. I, we're not talking about DJ's NFL, you know, prospects all that much, but I wonder how how a year, a good year for DJ this year, could influence his his draft stock. He's a former five star guy. Yeah. He has the athleticism, and he's playing in an NFL light offense this year. Like
1: a really good year out of DJ this year, maybe. You know? My, Michael Penix, another guy's gonna be a first Well, let's talk about DJ then. Let's just let's head up to San Jose State, Oregon State, because I, you know, I don't know that I think you know. We heard Wilner yesterday on their podcast and on the show saying he thinks San Jose State has a legitimate chance to win this game. I don't know that I'm ready to go that far, Judah, But mm. we've been talking about this game for months, you and me off the air, looking at the Field Steel magazines. Looking at last year's rosters. We've
0: been pouring over Phil Steele. We really have been. Locking it's, ourselves
1: in our rooms. It's insane. It's insane. But, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, no, like, we talked about this game a lot, the point spread. And it went to open up, you know, it was around 14, got up to 17. It's at 16 and a half now. Yeah. I feel like that's too many points on the road. I just have a lot of questions about Oregon State. And I feel I don't I don't like it. I don't like that I have a lot of questions because it seems like there's so many Beaver fans that are so excited and so certain this this team is going to be really good, compete for the Pac-12 championship. John's on the same boat, like he thinks they're going to be in the Pac-12 title game or at least have a chance to get there. He's, you know, he's kind of predicted Oregon, Oregon State Civil War winner goes to Vegas for the Pac-12 title game. I'm not ready to put the Beavers there. I actually have them below their win total, below eight and a half. I have a lot of questions on this team. And what's the, what I want to see against San Jose State is some of those questions answered. First of all, it's the defense. It's the leadership that they lost with Jaden Grant, with Rashawn Wright, with Alex Austin, with Omar Spates, who went to LSU. That is four really good players that left the team. Is Oregon State ready to just plug and play? Is Trent Bray that elite of a defensive coordinator where it doesn't matter who's on the field? They still have, you know, Katano Adapo, obviously, who's a very good leader. and Jonathan Smith's talked about how he's stepped up in leadership. But, like... They lost a lot of NFL talent, not just college football talent, like NFL caliber guys, even Jack Coletto. When he comes in and plays some linebacker, like they lost a lot of guys. Are they ready to stop teams in the pac 12 San Jose state for what they are, not a great defense team, pretty solid offensively. You know, they scored 28 against USC, USC, not the best defense, but you know, they can put up some points. Chevin Cordero veteran quarterback. They got some good running backs, good receivers. I think it's going to be a challenge, Judah. I really want to see what this defense uh, can do on Sunday against San Jose State because there is – to me, there are so many questions on the defensive side that I feel like right now Beaver fans are just saying, it's fine, we got Trent Bray, it's a a program thing, we'll be able to plug and play. I'm not ready to say that they can do that. I need to see it before I believe it.
0: I was just looking at the weather in San Jose, and uh, Sunday, high of 75 that's really good. I was worried that it was going to be like in the nineties or something like that. Yeah. And that would worry me a little bit. Your season opener, you're a little bit concerned about conditioning something in the high nineties on the road against a good offense. That would worry me a little bit, but if it's 75, like you can work with that. Uh, I, I think we'll learn a lot about Trent Bray as opposed to the Ducks season opener. I think we will learn a lot about the beefs in their season opener and Trent Bray, I think is, is one of them. I think he's still underrated as a defensive coordinator, so my bet would be on Trent Bray and therefore I've got the Beavs over their win total, but they're, you know, the, the absences on defense is a good point. You know, they, they play a lot of guys in the secondary typically like that base defense is generally three down defensive linemen, maybe two linebackers, a uh, couple of, couple of edge rushers as well. And they'll, they'll often be in five defensive backs you know, as a base defense, that means your two safeties, your two corners and a nickel guy. And that means you got to have a lot of depth in your secondary to pull that off. Even more so when you've got guys going to the NFL or transferring at linebacker like like Omar Spates did to LSU. So guys like Jaden Robinson, right? Senior uh, redshirt senior playing at left corner. Tyrese Ivey. He is going to be starting at another outside corner spot. He's a Juco transfer from the San Francisco area. And for the Beavers, they never, you know, get headlines for their high school recruiting. You know, every once in a while, they'll pull out a big name. But really, I'm impressed by what they've done out of the JUCO ranks and the small college ranks. And I'll be looking at a guy like Tyrese Ivey and being like, okay, what, what can he bring to the table? Is he someone that can plug-and-play in in a Rajon Wright's absence and in an Alex Austin's absence as well. So some of these guys that they brought up from the JUCO or the small college, they're going to have a chance to perform and per- potentially perform at a high level. And maybe after week one at San Jose, we'll be like, you know what? It is pretty plug-and-play the way that they develop guys from small college ranks. And that could be, you know, what – maybe these guys on the field are the next NFL Beavers. You yeah. know what I mean? And, yeah. and there's a very real chance next week we're like, oh – well, there you go. It really is a plug-and-play system more than it is an individual talent,
1: and, and it very well could be. And I'm willing to admit that I'll be wrong on that. I'm just not ready to do that yet. Yeah. Um, you know, Trent Bray, he is an upcomer, and everything you hear about him, he is a great defensive mind, a great defensive coach, really gets the best out of his players. So I'm excited to see that another guy uh, that won the starting job, Calvin Hart Jr. He's a transfer from Illinois. Uh, you know, he played a lot as a sophomore. Yeah. In that co- or uh, a couple of years ago, he had a fumble return for a touchdown in the opening opening week game against um who did they play? Nebraska. They played Nebraska. He had a fumble recovery touchdown in that one. Uh, he's gonna be starting. He got the depth chart got released, but we're gonna say he'll be starting the inside linebacker. I'm excited to see him. And the other a good inside, athlete
0: inside backer, Mascarenas Arnold. Yeah. He did. He he had a pick six on Penix last year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you know, obviously Spates is a great player. By the way, LSU Florida State on Sunday, I mm. think Omar Spates debuts with LSU against Oof. the Seminoles and Jordan Travis. Like, it's a great weekend of college football, man. That's for sure. But it really is. You know, the, the Beeves do have some guys on defense, but th- this is no ordinary test. I think you know Cordero. He's a really, really good quarterback. And depending, I think he was first team or second team Mountain yeah. West or the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year, I think, last year. Boy, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's no small feat because they've got some good offensive players. The quarterback at Boise State is a really, really good player too. He's the, he's the guy that came in for Bachmeyer in the yeah. opener at Reza last year, basically started the rest of the year. He's got some high upside. And, by the way, You got Boise U Dub in Seattle this weekend as well. That's a two touchdown spread that I got my eye on.
1: Yeah, that is a good one. I like that. Uh, Real quick, here let's talk about DJ. You know, we talked about him being a draft pick, maybe potentially. Um, You know, what do you want to see out of DJ? Because for me, it's it's just the poise of the offense, right? It's it's no mistakes. It's just like with Oregon. Oregon, I'm more wanting to see explosive plays. With DJ, I want to see no mistakes because we saw mistakes last season with Chance Nolan. We saw Bengal Branson just not really make any plays. I don't need to see DJ make a lot of plays, but what I need to see him do is not make silly mistakes because that's what was the bugaboo at Clemson is that he can make all the throws. He can make the crazy throws to the really good athletes, but Clemson just kind of says, hey, we got better athletes than you. Go out and do it. Now, with Oregon State, that's not necessarily the case. DJ's going to have to read it a little bit. DJ's going to have to make nice throws. Just no mistakes out of DJ. Just no interceptions. Make the smart play. Dump it off if you have to. Run a little bit if you have to. Just don't force it because I think for Oregon State, that's where they're going to run into a problem with this season with DJ is if he's forcing trying to become that first-round pick that he potentially could have been when he's coming out of high school and then debuts with Clemson. We're thinking this guy's going to be the first overall pick when he goes to the draft. Now we don't know. As long as DJ doesn't do that, I'm going to be excited with what I think with DJ Uyunglele uh, after week one. Yeah, I will
0: say I don't want to say no mistakes because it's his first game. In, in the new offense, you know, so, but I think you said it right. No silly mistakes, right? right. No silly turnovers. No, you know, trying to force something into double coverage. Don't try
1: to get there. the extra five yards on a run and fumble or something like that. Yeah. You know, just mate, yeah. let the game come to
0: you. Exactly. Let the game come to you, stay in control. But at, at a certain point, I do want to see him cut that thing loose, dude. I cannot wait for the first play action boot deep ball to Anthony Gould
1: or Silas. And we'll see it because Coach yeah. Smith even said that on the show. Well, like,
0: it, it, you know, you don't have to be a genius to know that that's going to be a core part of the offense. Marrying the run and the pass and they kick
1: ass in the run game. Yeah. You can
0: just imagine how much that will open things vertically.
1: Damian yeah, Martinez, can't wait to see him again. That guy's a beast. I'm excited to see DJ cut deep a little bit. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about those games later on. But coming up next, we'll talk about uh, Utah taking on Florida with our very own John as He is on the ground in Salt Lake City. He's in Utah at Rice Eccles Stadium. We'll get him on the horn. We'll talk to him, kind of see what the vibes are down there. Previewing Florida at number 14, Utah. Looks like Cam Rising not going to play, but it's not official yet. So, you know, Utah fans holding out hope that Cam Rising can play, but we don't know that. So coming up, we'll talk to John right here on the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.
2: Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on
1: 750 The Game. Bald Face Truth, Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano. Speaking of the man, John Canzano on the line with us from Salt Lake City where Florida is taking on Utah for week one of the opener for both of those teams. John... Uh, I just looked. I saw the weather was really nice in Salt Lake City, it's rainy here. What's up with that, man? You you leave right when the rain starts.
3: I know. I know. It's sunny. It's uh. It's a little on the warm side, uh, but sunny and uh, nice right now. Uh, about 90 degrees. It's supposed to be at kickoff. It'll be right around high 80s, and uh, it's uh it's sunny and blue skies. But uh, a lot of uh, a lot of excitement, and I think across our listenership, it's You know, it's week one, and there's going to be games this week. Oregon's going to play. Oregon State's going to play. But people in Salt Lake City are buzzing about this one. And uh, my hotel that I'm staying at is the Florida Hotel. And a whole bunch of people, 3,000 tickets sold for Florida fans coming from Gainesville and other places. And so uh, it'll be quite an atmosphere. And standing room only tickets uh, are the only tickets left.
1: Well, how about that? I mean, Florida, first game, first non-conference game, first true road game since 1991 outside the state of Florida. They're going to Utah. Uh, what does that just say about the program at Utah now? Like they are—they're an elite program, aren't they?
3: Yeah, they are, and I think you know, two Rose Bowls in a row, Cam Rising, two conference championships, Kyle Whittingham. Utah has done a really nice job for every group of five program that ever wants to aspire to be a Power Five. Like the blueprint is there. Utah did it, and I thought it was really interesting this earlier this year when I kind of was calling around in the spring to different athletic directors and trying to find out how their season ticket renewals went. And I was getting, you know, 93%, 94% in most places, pretty typical. And, and then I came to Utah and they have a season ticket wait list of 2000 fans. And so they, and they just expanded the stadium right before the pandemic. And so it, it's a really cool experience if you've not been to a game at rice eccles stadium it's it's rabbit it's real college football and it's unusual i think for for programs west of texas you know if you're not at oregon you're not at oregon state you're not at utah you're getting into a lot of stadiums that have empty seats and so it's really cool to see that but yeah you i mean florida's biting off a a big chunk here i i don't know i don't know if they they know steven i don't know if they understand what it is to come into Rice Eccles Stadium.
1: Morgan found out a couple of years ago. I mean, Utah or USC found out last season. Well, I mean, this, this is a it's a tough spot, man. I, I agree with you. Florida, I don't know. You know, I, I think the question for me, John, is Florida may be okay if Cam Reddick is not playing. First of all, have you heard anything about that? Uh, is it officially yet? He's out. And just kind of what are the vibes feeling? Uh, for the fans and for the team, if Cam Rising doesn't play in that game, is that going to give Florida a chance to stay within uh, you know, the points but, or even have a chance to win?
3: It changes the game. And the prevailing sentiment is that Rising's not going to play and that they'll save him for next week. But, you know, we won't know with Kyle Whittingham until 10 minutes before kickoff, so stay tuned on that front. And, you know, I'll pop back on with you guys from the stadium here. I'm about to head over to the stadium. I'll pop back on in the 4 o'clock hour. Maybe I can find something out there. But it's, um, it's really interesting because, you know, I, kept, I keep thinking about, you know, this matchup. And, and if it's Bryson Barnes as the backup, Barnes has only played in three games. And all three of those games, he was kind of thrust into the game, uh, you know, like the, the Washington State game last year on that Thursday night. We all remember it was 10 minutes before kickoff that he found out he was starting. They didn't have a game plan for him. So he was executing sort of a modified Cam Rising game plan. And then the two Rose Bowl games he came in, you know, two years ago against Ohio State, he threw a touchdown pass that that gave Utah the lead with less than two minutes to go. You know, he didn't play bad in that game. And then last year against Penn State, he came in after rising, hurt his knee, and that game was getting out of hand. But this will be, if if it is Bryson Barnes, it'll be the first time that Andy Ludwig's had an opportunity to design a game plan for him. And, you know, you've got also, you know, a little wrinkle there that, that Florida has been sitting around not knowing who's going to play. And so I kind of just wonder from a strategy standpoint, if Florida has, you know, executed, uh, or used up any of their practice time, preparing for cam rising, preparing for Bryson Barnes. And, you know, even in, in the, uh, in the event that they'll see Nate Johnson, who is a backup backup quarterback. Um, I won't be surprised by anything today.
0: John Cazano joining us from Salt Lake, John, any, conversation that that you are hearing down there about going to the Big 12 next year or any motivation among Utah fans to win the conference a third straight year in this last edition of the Pac-12 or where where is the mindset of that market compared to uh, what we're all talking about out here on a day-to-day basis
3: yeah I think Utah is trying to take another step forward they'd love to make the playoffs they'd love to be that team Their schedule is brutal, though. I mean, they have the worst schedule, the most difficult schedule of any team in the conference, and they're starting it with Florida and Baylor, Baylor on the road, and maybe without camerizing for both those games. So who knows? So, you know, I kind of think, like, as much as they want to talk about getting to the playoff, it it doesn't feel realistic to me because it just feels like there's so many hurdles for them. But if they could win a third Pac-12 championship and the final Pac-12 championship, it would be a statement. And, I, and that angst that Oregon State fans are feeling and Washington State fans are feeling, uh, you know, that isn't being felt in Salt Lake City. People are, uh, you know, talking about the breakup of the Pac-12 a little wistfully and going, you know, it shouldn't have happened. This conference has been great for Utah. Utah has really risen in their 10, 11 years in the conference, but they didn't want to ideally leave for the Big 12 conference. They just did it because the conference was blowing up and remember Arizona, Arizona state, you know, we're already flirting with the big 12 Oregon and Washington sort of tipped it by going to the big 10 Utah had to kind of scramble in the 11th hour to get into the big 12. I think they were happy to do that, but all along, you know, I was talking to stakeholders of Utah throughout the last 14 months, they felt all along. This conference has been fantastic for them. So I think for them, it's a little bit of uh, mixed feelings. You know, they're probably glad they have somewhere to land, but they really have elevated in the last decade.
0: You've been talking about uh, the Ducks and Beavs season openers all week as well. For Oregon, Saturday, Portland State, you know, is there anything we can learn about the Ducks on Saturday, or is it simply a matter of seeing the ball go through the hoop?
3: We've got to see the ball go through the hoop, and I don't think there's any way Portland State stays close to them, but I'm really curious to see if Will Stein, how much offense he'll show, how will Bo Nix look. You know, remember, we haven't seen Bo Nix healthy in a while in a game, so it'll be nice to see him moving around and just to know, to have peace of mind that he's okay. And I thought, I brought this up yesterday, like you don't want to see Bo Nix with 15 rushing touchdowns this year. It's not that kind of season for Oregon. If they want to get to the conference championship game or maybe get to the playoff and make noise they need Bo Nix healthy and so that that you know he had 14 rushing touchdowns a year ago and Marcus Mariota's got the school record of 15 you know people talk about oh could Bo get the record I don't want to see that like I'd like to see Bo Nix with like six rushing touchdowns like when necessary yes but not you know I don't want to see him running the ball against Portland State I don't want to see him running against Cal Uh, you know save that for Washington save that for USC
1: yeah, and then speaking of uh Sunday Oregon State, you know, is this a game where DJ is going to have to run the ball? Going to have to play exceptional. We were talking about it a little bit earlier in the show, you know, DJ Woo Young draft prospects. Like is he going to try to go out and prove himself to be, you know, a first round draft pick at some point again like he was thought of when he went to Clemson? What are you looking out? What are you looking for when you look at DJ in his first game against San Jose State for the Bees?
3: I'm really excited for that kid cuz You know, he went through so much at Clemson, and he became the problem and the reason that they didn't win big. And, you know, everybody always points at the quarterback regardless. I think this is a great opportunity for him. It's a great comeback story. And Jonathan Smith is going to take all the pressure off him. You know, I wrote this today that, like, when they line up on Saturday, the best position group on the field, it's not the quarterback. It's not the receivers at Oregon State. It's not, you know, the running back room's great with Davy Martinez, but it's the offensive line. DJ's got a great offensive line. He's got a great run game. He's got an offense that isn't going to ask too much of him. It's a great situation for a guy who, you know, is going to be asked to just go play football and have fun. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see who he is. And, you know, his accuracy as a passer is my only concern. In the spring game, I didn't, I didn't love the way the ball came out of his hand. He missed some receivers on some easy throws. He had a couple times he had running backs out of the backfield, and he completed the pass, but, he you know, he threw it at their shoe tops, and, you know, it kind of, you know, changes the momentum of the play when you do that. And so I want to see how smooth he looks, how easy he makes it look that that Oregon state offense is a lot like what Kyle Shanahan wants to do with the Niners. And so I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, does he make the easy plays that that offense needs him to make? And does he avoid the disastrous moments that chance Nolan had? Remember chance Nolan had, you know, four interceptions against USC and then threw the pick six against Utah at rice Eccles stadium. It was just, you know, you just can't have that if you're Oregon state, because it's not, you, know, you don't, you don't, score that way and you don't play that way. They they like to run the football. Anthony Gold said it yesterday on our show. He said we're gonna run the football and if you can't stop us, we're gonna keep running it. And I think that's the mentality and it's just a great situation for DJ.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong, John, but I know you'll be there Sunday. You spend some you've spent some time watching football in San Jose, have you not?
3: Oh yeah. That's my dad told me I'm gonna be sad when I go to what used to be Spartan Stadium. Because he says the place we're used to throw a foot Nerf football and we used to tailgate has now been paved over and they're selling those parking spots for $40 each. You know, it used to just be a big football practice field adjacent to the stadium. now. But I, I remember going and, you know, it was late 1970s, early 1980s. Uh, Dennis Erickson was the offensive coordinator at San Jose State. Jack Elway was the coach, John's dad. And they had great players they had a lot of community college players and uh you know they had some guys who played in the NFL but you know they were they were playing against like UNLV and Randall Cunningham and uh you know and other programs like that so it it wasn't uh big time football but man I I totally relate every time I walk through a parking lot at any Pac-12 stadium like today after this call I'll head over to Rice Eccles Stadium and I'll walk past the people tailgating and outside and Every time I do that, it just reminds me of like being 9 or 10 years old and seeing the game at a stadium. It's just there's something special about being at a stadium, and I know that our listeners who go to Austin Stadium or to go to Reeser Stadium or maybe even go out to Hillsborough to see Portland State, they totally get that.
1: John, thanks for uh, hopping on with us. We'll get you back on here a little bit uh, closer to kickoff so you can tell me if Cam Ryzen's playing or not and who I should bet on. Uh, get your pick on that game as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, need I, that, I need the inside info, John. You, you know me. I, right. I need that info. So. I'll let
3: you know. Let's check back. Let's let's call it about an hour from
1: now. I'll check back in. Yeah, safe travels to Rice Eccles, and then uh, just give me the info. That's, that's what we need for you. But that's John right. Kanzana. Thanks, man. Thanks, John, for joining. He'll join us later on in about an hour uh, as well. Uh, and, and we'll take a break here this time, and we'll recap what John was talking about. We'll also get to uh, Big Splash. There's Big Splash I got to want to talk about. But Utah taking on Florida. John is there at Rice-Eccles Stadium down in Salt Lake City. We'll talk to him in just about an hour or so. Previewing that game, we'll preview Oregon, Oregon State as well. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn. That is Judy Newby as well. He is with me. This is Bald Face Truth Radio Network. You've
2: got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Konzano on 750 The Game.
1: Fall Face Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano. John will be joining the program in the 4 o'clock hour as he is boots down in Salt Lake City. Rice-Eccles Stadium. He's on his way to Rice-Eccles Stadium for the Florida at Utah game week one of college football starting today. So we'll talk to him again. Uh, well, thank him earlier for the show for joining. But he'll join us again in the 4 o'clock hour. Give us all the updates from Utah, from Salt Lake City. See if Cam Rising is actually playing indeed or not. We'll find all that stuff out. But, uh, Judah, what do you want to talk about this real quick? Um, and it's a big drama, a big drama at my household right now. So my second grade, or sorry, he's what's second grade now? He's third grade, Lincoln. He, uh, you know, cl- what class you get into, right? Who's your teacher? Who's in your class? It's such a big deal. Because you're like, oh, I want my friends in there. I want this teacher. I want that teacher. And at his school, there was two options. There was an option where it was a third fourth blend class, third and fourth graders blended. And then there's also an option where uh, it's just a third grade teacher. It's just a third grade class. And my son, he wanted in just the third grade class because it was a it was a male teacher. He's never had a male teacher. He's like, oh, that'd be so cool to have a have a guy teacher. I would love that. I've only had girl teachers. So he gets in He gets in that class. He, he's psyched. It's like, yeah, all third graders. I got the male teacher. He goes, let's go. Then we come to find out his two best friends are in the other class. Oh. And now Heartbreak City. Heartbreak City, baby. <laughs> but he is just heartbroken. Uh, just so sad. It's just, it's drama now. Now there's just drama. We're trying to find out well, why did the teacher do this? Why did the second grader teacher do this? Did she do it on purpose? Is she trying to set him up? Is she trying to make him thrive without his friends, or is she punishing him for being too good of a kid? Because he is a great kid, just too good of a kid. We're gonna get him some new friends. Are these other kids gonna thrive without him? Just ah, oh, I feel bad for the little guy. He, he's yeah. so sad. His two best friends are in the other class, but you know, of course, there's always recess and stuff you can hook up and play. But man, I just remember those days. You do like, did you ever have those? It's like, I remember going to view acres and looking at the at the doors. And they just have like the list of class and the teachers and the kids, and I'm like, please have at least like two friends in this class, and not just you know a bunch of people I don't like. It's it's just big big drama for elementary school. Yeah, it's it's big drama for sure. Yeah, I remember that. I remember those days.
0: It's good though. I think it's good for a kid to be disappointed. And uh... we talked about this the other day. <laughs> Say please to fail, uh, but I, you know I remember distinctly because I played Parks and Rec baseball growing up, and I thought. Great park and rec environment down in uh, McMinnville. But I remember the first year that the team I always played for, you know, didn't didn't draft me in time. Some other team drafted mm. me, like, in the first or second round. You of know, course, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, Big I was timer. obviously balling.
1: So obviously I get obviously first round. I don't even know why you would even get it. Well, suggest second is, round.
0: You know, the coaches, they always get to pick their own kids, right? Right, right? And I think that you get one player from the previous year that doesn't count as a draft. You basically get, a you know, a keeper. And then the draft starts, and I remember getting a call one year. I was like in fifth grade, I want to say, and I was like, oh, I got drafted to do a different team. Just heartbreak city, yo. Like so Gus Johnson all over that. And But it was a really good thing for me to go through and, and to play baseball without my best friends and, um you know, play against them. It made me better. And a better player overall, but I do feel for your little guy. It's hard to go through a school year in a different class than your best friends.
1: That's I, for sure. I know, and the thing was is like uh, you talk about like the baseball drafts, like the youth baseball draft. That that was the key. Like you get the coach, but then you're like, hey, does their dad want to be the assistant? So we get him on the team too. Oh, no doubt. Hey, do we need a first base coach? Hey, hey, dad of the really good kid that we don't even talk to the dad. But yeah. you want to be you want to be bench coach or something? I think any of these dads get coaching gigs. Yeah, you know? it's like well, that was all the, the way into like college now. Like those college, you know, Michael Porter Jr. his his dad goes on uh, the staff at Missouri. I remember back in the day. Yeah, Mario Chalmers, that was a big one. I remember he when he went to Kansas, his dad was a coach. His dad got on the Kansas staff. Mm. That happens. It happens all the way from youth all the way to college. Yeah, it doesn't go away. That's we for got sure. Uh, we Nepotism got... is the best. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We, we got ESPN on the on the TV here. Cam Risey was warming up. I saw him. He had a oh. big big old knee brace. Now, these these videos are old, but they did have a live shot of him warming up with a big giant knee brace on. He's not playing, right, Judah? Like, he, there, I don't think there's any chance that Cam Rising's playing. Wittenham's even said this. Like We're not going to play the guy unless he's 100% ready to go. It's been, what, like eight months since the injury right since the rose bowl is that what it was yeah to the rose bowl game i mean it's been not even i mean just a little less than eight months yeah,
0: january 2nd so yeah so yeah. not
1: even i mean it, almost or, nine, months, nine months i guess yeah not, i can not I can't do math. there math almost is, nine months math is hard um but yeah i mean it's uh, no chance he's playing tonight right well i mean i i guess i guess I, there's i guess it's always a chance but i think i've always thought
0: nine months was the you know the barrier to come back or not like. I would say, like, if this was a Rose Bowl, he would probably play, but I don't think he needs to play in this season opener, especially considering the caliber of opponent they have next week on the road against a Dave Aranda defense. Yeah. Like, that's when you really need Cam Rising. So, um, but do you think he'd play next week? Or do you think this is a whole thing that's like maybe maybe he needs a little bit longer of a ramp up, and they're willing to sacrifice a couple of games in the non-conference without Cam Rising to make sure that he's ready to go against the Beavers later
1: in the month. I I lean to that because, I mean, you know, Kanzano said this. He said, like, you know, they're looking to make the college football playoff. And, of course, they are. You know, they were expecting to do that last season. They lose to Florida, and then it doesn't work out, and they want to do that this year. But I kind of think what's more important and what's more realistic for Utah is to try to win a third Pac-12 championship. Right? Like, you're playing Florida, then you're at Baylor, then you're Weber State, then you're UCLA. I think he's back for UCLA. Like, I don't see why he would play. There's no way he's playing against Weber State, I don't think, unless he plays, obviously, the first two games. But I don't know. I just – I don't see him coming back in the first two. This gives him another month off before the Pac-12 season. You know He's such a good leader. Like – we talk about him, you know, the other guys in the conference have said he's the GOAT. Like you have to look at him and say he's the best in the conference. Even though Caleb Williams won the Heisman, this guy's won two Pac twelve titles. Like, this is the man in the Pac twelve. I think Utah is shooting for that three P because this hasn't been done uh in the Pac twelve championship era like this. To end the Pac twelve with a Utah championship would be kind of crazy to think about. You know, that's the way the conference ends yep. in this form is Utah, a team that they got in there goes away with the conference, three peats on their way out. I think that's a little bit – I don't want to say more important because I you know, obviously the college football playoff would be unbelievably important and awesome for Utah, but I do think realistically they look at and they say, you know what, we have a much better chance of winning the Pac-12 for a third straight season if Cam Rising is 100% healthy and we're not going to risk it just to try to get him out there to beat Florida and to beat Baylor. I mean, Utah, they could beat Florida without him. Like, that's the thing. It's well, not their like, favorite. Yeah. They're, they're favored nah, by I five know. and a half, six points. Like, it's, it's not like it's. Is out that of where the, it's at right now? Five and a half, yeah. It's it's going up? Yeah. Because it was at four and a half. Yeah, it's gone up. It's gone up to five and a half, and it's uh, flirting with six, I saw. Not quite there yet, though. You, that's, that's great for Steven. Oh, when it gets to six, Steven's going to be fired on Florida. You're already gonna be firing, right? I already have a five and a half, but I think I think it's a six. Oh, Stevens firing again. I mean, by the way, I, me and you, I
0: can't wait. I don't know. We haven't talked about this tone, but Saturday, me and you, we'll be together up at uh, ALNA Saturday, yeah. A, Saturday, ten a.m. to noon, live right here on uh, on the BFT Radio flagship seven fifty. The game, we'll be talking a little college football this Saturday morning at A-L-N-A.
1: Yeah, get up there with us. Uh, watch get me get up. Get up. Get up. Watch me in my element just betting on games. I, I can't wait. I just,
0: dude, you'll be so in your element. I just love it. I'll be betting. peak Stephen Vaughn. Right I can't there.
1: wait to hear what John says about Cam Rising when he comes back on in uh, about 40 minutes. But right now, before that, we do this every day of every week, all five days. We do the big splash right here.
2: This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there.
1: The Big Splash! Well, speaking of big-time sporting events, last night, Judah, the Nebraska women's volleyball team had a game at Memorial Stadium. They set a women's sporting event record with 92,003 people in attendance. This was the coach, John Cook, after the game.
2: You're going to make me cry right now. I mean, this is unbelievable. For women's
3: athletics to do this in Nebraska, yeah, we've we've done we've dreamed big here tonight. We really dreamed big, and and uh, again, I think Kennedy Ward wrote me a note today.
2: and said, "Coach, t- tonight will the impossible will be possible." We
1: did it. It was a good. It was a cool environment. Some cool pictures. Uh, go check that out. Nebraska beat Omaha in straight sets uh, to win that game at Memorial Stadium. Cool moment for Nebraska. But coming up next, we got the uh, four o'clock hour right here. Long Face Truth Radio Network. Hour 2 of the Bald Face Truth Steven Vaughn, Judah Newby With me as well As always, John Canzano Is going to be joining the program But he is down in Salt Lake City Utah at Rice Eccles Stadium Where he will be covering the Florida at Utah game Which starts in just about an hour We'll get all the updates from him If Cam Rising is playing What the vibes are down in Salt Lake City It's super nice there in Utah. 90 degrees sunny unlike here in Portland where it's rainy and I had to debate on what I wanted to wear today. Do I need to get a coat out? I don't know, but we'll find out who starts Bryson Barnes or Cam Brides. We'll talk to John in hopefully about you know 20-30 minutes, something like that later on this hour. Um, but week one is it's starting, Judah. It's starting. I just turned over to Fox Sports 1 Kent State taking on UCF the newest members of the Big 12. Huge game. In the landscape of college football but week one is here for college football i cannot wait uh of course the ducks they take on portland state on saturday oregon state taking on san jose state standalone game on sunday afternoon cannot wait for that one but as we do every day we scour the internet and tv and everything and we play punch it audio we do it right here every day let's do it <laughs> We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Fish Truth Headquarters.
2: Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way
1: here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day.
0: You're going to hear little snippets of sound.
1: Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio. Presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Well, as I said, John Canzano joined us earlier from Salt Lake City. Now We were talking about the Oregon State Beavers and DJ Uyunglele. John, he talks about how excited he is for the former five-star Clemson recruit to play for the Oregon State Beavers. Punch it.
3: I'm really excited for that kid because, you know, he went through so much at Clemson and he became the problem and the reason that they didn't win big and, you know, everybody always points at the quarterback regardless. I think this is a great opportunity for him. It's a great comeback story and Jonathan Smith is going to take all the pressure off him. You know, I wrote this today that, like, when they line up on Saturday, the best position group on the field, it's not the quarterback. It's not the receivers at Oregon State. It's not, you know, the running back room's great with Davy Martinez, but it's the offensive line. DJ's got a great offensive line. He's got a great run game. He's got an offense that isn't going to ask too much of him. It's a great situation for a guy who, you know, is going to be asked to just go play football and have fun. And so I think it's going to be really interesting to see who he is. Yeah, we're all
1: kind of excited to see what DJ is with Oregon State and what kind of, you know, decisions he's made. Because we talked about this in the first segment of the show. What I want to see out of DJ, I just want to see him make the silly mistakes. And I know he can make all the plays. I know he can make all the throws. I know he can run the ball. He can truck some dudes. He can score. But when he was at Clemson, he made some mistakes, and he made some silly mistakes which cost him his job and that eventually made him transfer to Oregon State. Now, we had Jonathan Smith on the ball of face truth with John earlier this week, and he talked about what DJ did to earn the job. This is what Jonathan Smith said, head coach of the Beavs, punch it. We did. We put the ball down and let these guys operate and go play, and he moved the,
3: moved the offense and scored points. He was good with his decisions um, in those, and that kind of separated uh, just looking at the body of work of fall camp, there's no question he has experience in big stages, big stadiums, and, and uh, that, that's helped him. Uh, I think his approach with his teammates has been been awesome, and there's a real belief that, you know, him pulling the trigger for us, we can do some some cool things.
1: Cool things, indeed. Can't wait to see what those cool things are, Judah. But, uh, you know, I, it was all a matter of time before DJ got named the starting quarterback for the beeves I think once he transferred to Oregon State from Clemson— He was always going to be the guy, but but you know, I'm excited to see what DJ does because you know the guy was a five star kid, like number one quarterback. You could go anywhere he wanted to. We go to Clemson. He plays at Notre Dame, throws for over 300 yards. They lose that game, but he was awesome. Has a solid season last year, but ended up getting benched. Had a bad COVID year, like. This is a guy that I think, you know, we talk about draft picks and where he could end up. This guy could, he's probably all over the board on scouts boards and draft boards. But man, the guy's got all the skills. I can't wait to see what he does in this Oregon State offense. And for me, it's all about the mistakes. Can he cut down on mistakes? Because Oregon State, they got the offensive line. They got the run game. You got the defensive coordinator. Even though I have questions on the defensive side, you know, they don't need DJ to go out and throw for 300 yards every game. They just need him to not make mistakes. So I want to see what he does against the San Jose State defense that isn't great, Let's see what DJ can do in that game.
0: Look, I expect big things. I really do. I, I expect him to be poised. I expect him to play within himself. Uh, he's got so much experience. He's been through some stuff. He's got a big chip on his shoulder. The whole program has a chip on its shoulder. I mean, I can't imagine a QB program duo that's got a bigger chip than Oregon State and DJ younger yeah, yeah. going into this season. You know, the, the one thing, though, is is not to let that kind of emotion. I've got to prove everybody wrong. Everybody's been wrong about me. Not let that emotion overtake, you know, your skill on the field. And, and I think you mentioned it. Let the game come to you. DJ's got the physical ability. He's got the talent. He's got the experience. As long as he does, in fact, let the game come to him. If he's secure throwing the ball 13, 14 times, if Oregon State's pounding it down San Jose State's throat, then let that should be the offense. You know the same, the same philosophy they had to beat the Ducks, yeah. Which obviously was an anomaly because you're down by three scores and still not passing. They the decided
1: ball. not to pass, yeah.
0: But if you basically run the rock that many times, is he okay with that? If it's Damian Martinez going 15 for 90, then it's Isaiah Newell going eight for you know 75 and a touchdown. So that and then the play-action deep game. I, I can't wait to see that first play-action deep ball because it's going to be the first of many, and I think it's going to be very effective for Brian Langren and Jonathan Smith this year.
1: Yeah, and the Beavs, they got some quick receivers. Anthony Gold, one of them, of course. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. You know, The play-action game should be pretty good. And you know, DJ's talked about that, how that is kind of his strength of his game. He, he loves the play-action pass. He thinks that's what he's really good at, and Oregon State's going to want to do that a lot because that run game is great. And it will be interesting to see, you know, it may not be against San Jose State where, you know, all they got to do is run the football, but probably against UC Davis in week two uh, when reacher Stadium reveals itself and opens up for the first game. You know, that could be a blowout. That could be a game where DJ only throws the ball 15 times. And how does he react to that? I, you know, He seems like he seems like a great kid. You know, Every time he's talked, uh, everything you hear about him, seems like he's going to be OK with that. But, you know, it's, it's just a little different when you got that hype around you. You're a five star guy. Are you really really willing to be a guy who throws the ball fifteen times a game, even if it gets the win? I think he is. I think he's been humbled a little bit after the uh, the Clemson debacle, but we shall see. Especially in that Week Two game, but that Week One game, standalone game, you know, all of college football fans are going to be watching. It's twelve thirty Pacific time, uh, so you know three thirty Eastern time. Like it's going to be a big big time. A lot of people are going to be watching that game. Everyone knows DJ Uy Young of the Lay. Uh, a lot of eyeballs on him against San Jose State. I'm excited. Uh, for that one. Gonzano, he also was uh, talking about the Utah-Florida game because he is down at Rice-Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City. Uh, I asked him, you know, we're talking about Cam Rising. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? It seems like he's not going to play. But Gonzano is talking about if Bryson Barnes, if he's the guy, we'll see if Florida is ready. Punch it.
3: If it is Bryson Barnes, it'll be the first time that Andy Ludwig's had an opportunity to design a game plan for him. And, you know, you've got also you know a little wrinkle there that that florida has been sitting around not knowing who's going to play and so i kind of just wonder from a strategy standpoint if florida has you know executed uh, or used up any of their practice time preparing for cam rising preparing for bryson barnes and you know even in in the uh in the event that they'll see nate johnson who is a backup, backup quarterback. Um, I won't be surprised by anything today.
1: Yeah, they, if, if Rags is out, Nate Johnson will definitely play some. Uh, Bryson Barnes will be the starting quarterback. But Florida, you know, they only returned five starters on defense from a season ago where they were six and seven. Of course, we all remember the bowl game when they got blown out by the Bees in the Las Vegas Bowl. But that defense, they added some new guys, uh, added a transfer from Louisville. You know, they got some guys coming back. Uh, Billy Napier has said, you know, the defense should be a lot better this season as well. I'm excited to see, you know, what the Florida defense does. You know, I, I, I'm gonna—I disagree with Kenzana a little bit. Like, I think if they you know, they've been, they've been expecting Cam Rising, right? Like, I think that's what they're preparing for. I don't know if Bryson Barnes is good enough to where it's like, you know, what we really need to game plan for Bryson Barnes now or change a whole bunch of stuff because Cam Rising is much better than Bryson Barnes. I think Cam Rising gets gets downgraded a little bit just because he doesn't—he's not six foot five and he doesn't, you know, run a four or five and he doesn't have the biggest arm. Like, that guy can play the quarterback position, and he is awesome. I think it's okay if he's not playing. I don't think it's a big adjustment for Florida to say, okay, well, now we got to adjust to Bryson Barnes. Like, I don't think he's going to come out and make any surprising plays. Utah's going to run the football. Can Florida stop it? I think that's what it's going to be. I don't know. I I think Florida's in this game, man. If Cam Ryzen doesn't play, I think Florida's in it. I think Florida has a chance to win the thing. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all. If uh, we're looking after tonight, Florida one and zero, Utah zero one.
0: Oh, yeah, I I want to get there, but I just don't trust Billy Napier. Hmm. You think he's a good coach, Billy Napier? <laughs> I mean, he did stuff at uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Yeah, but last year was kind of a, a slow burn to six and six, and
1: you had Anthony Richardson. With Anthony Richardson, and you were six and six with Anthony Richardson. You I know mean, what I mean? Like, uh,
0: generally, I would lean SEC team in this. You know, SEC versus Pac-12 situation, but the the, the coaching staff on the other side of the ball with Utah, or the the other sideline, I should say, I've got a lot more faith. Can't you just – you can imagine Andy Ludwig's already schemed up a red zone play to the tight end, Yasmeen, and, you know, don't they have Brent Keithy still? Now,
1: Keithy is – Is he out? He's questionable as well. He's questionable? Yeah, I have seen that.
0: Well, Josh, uh, the guy that covers Utah that comes on this show – from time to time. He was talking about... Um, Newman. Yasmeen. Yeah, Josh Newman was talking about Thomas Yasmeen, and maybe this could be a... Because it's like, who, who's the next guy, right? Like, yeah. It was Tavian Thomas that carried the rock, and then he kind of obviously had some stuff going on. Like, Utah always seems to have the next guy, the next man up to fill these kind of roles. And I'm, I'm eager to see who that running back's going to be and who that tight end's going to be that's really all they need you know they put up 28 points and win this game 28-20 wouldn't shock me
1: but that place is gonna be rocking i can't wait yeah. um you could be right dude like utah could just pound the rock and pound it on florida but you know you look at recruiting rankings florida's up there like it's not like they're yep. not talented they got they got guys they got dudes they got dudes john texted us yeah he's like yeah
0: i'm at the florida hotel florida's got dudes
1: they got dudes. <laughs> like they look they look like an sec team and because they are Uh, But, yeah, I I think defensively they're always going to be okay. You know, Florida always has those athletes. Offensively, I think it's going to be a question for Florida. Graham Mertz, he's the quarterback for Florida. Transfer from Wisconsin, Greg McElroy talking about Graham Mertz and how he could have a big year this year after failing in Wisconsin now that he's in uh, Gainesville. McElroy says he could be the next Bo Nix. Punch it. A lot of people seem to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Hey, they weren't great as freshmen so they'll never be good. That's not the case. Sometimes when you step into a place where the expectations for your success are through the roof, remember Graham Murch was supposed to be the Wisconsin savior. That's a difficult spot to be in. Think about how it affected Bo Nix. The weight of the world just pushed him down to where he had some great moments, but he also had some really subpar moments. Goes to Oregon, gets a fresh start, Things have been terrific. Look at what Hendon Hooker had to endure at Virginia Tech. Was ultimately replaced, goes to Tennessee, has an unbelievable finish to his career. How about Michael Penix? Maybe not great at Indiana, transfers to Washington, and look at the season that he had. We've seen this happen before. Sometimes a fresh start is all you need. And I think Graham Mertz has a chance to have a much better year than people anticipate. I mean, Mertz, he was a four-star prospect, 21st highest rated recruit overall in his class, goes to Wisconsin. Has a really good first game. I remember it was the co- the first game out of COVID. They play Illinois. He threw for like four or five touchdowns and then kind of sucked after that. And now he's at Florida going to be the guy. Uh, but, you know, Macro makes a point there that I actually like. You know, there's been a lot of transfer quarterbacks, especially you look at the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12 is full of transfer quarterbacks. Cam Rising, transfer quarterback. I mean, it's uh, the only guys that are not transfer quarterbacks, I believe, is uh, Stanford. And that's maybe it. No. I think about it, uh, you know. Sidor Sanders, transfer. Uh, Caleb Williams, transfer. Bo Nix, Michael Penix. All these guys are transferring in. Could it just be one of those things where we see this in the pros, a new change of scenery could change a guy. So the guy has some arm talent. Um, It'll be a tough defense to play against tonight against Utah in a tough spot, tough environment. But Graham Mertz has played in some big games. Jude, is McElroy on to something that maybe Graham Mertz could be that next transfer that really pops and, uh, you know, elevates his role? to where it uh, wasn't at Wisconsin. I mean,
0: if you believe in Graham Mertz, that's the spin. I don't believe in Graham Mertz. So I yeah. think there's plenty of other examples of transfers that transfer because it, it's it's not for them. you Because know?
1: they have to. They,
0: it's not that great. Now, at Wisconsin, you know, Paul Christ got let go. So it seemed like there's a lot more going on at, at Wisconsin. You know, Luke Fickle comes in. It's pretty easy to transfer out of that situation. But at the same time, I, I watched enough Graham Mertz and wanted to get excited about him. I just don't see it. I, I just don't see the talent there, frankly. So, you know, Florida, it's always a QB thing with Florida. Dan Mullen, ironically, is on the pregame coverage for ESPN here. And he chose to start Emory Jones over Anthony Richardson two years ago and just made everybody mad. And then we talked about Billy Napier win six games with Anthony Richardson last year. But that, to their credit, they beat Utah in this game, you know, a season ago in the Swamp. But to me, it's just a spot play. Like, if we really talk about Rice-Eccles Stadium being that hard of a place to play for opponents, then it's going to be hard for you to bet Florida in this spot, you know, as a better. Like, that's a tough bet to make.
1: I, I do don't think... do you think? It does, but the thing about it is, and I think DJ, DJU has a little bit of this going on as well. He's playing some big games. He has the experience. Like, I don't know that it's necessarily going to bother Graham Mertz. He's playing these big-time games. Has he performed in them? Great. Not always, But he's been around big time environments in the Big Ten. So I don't think he's gonna be intimidated going in to Rice Eccles Stadium. And I think he'll be able to combat just that kind of environment. Like it's not a big deal. I think if he's a first year starter, it might be a little different. But you know, the guy's started a couple years. I think he'll be okay. I I, I'm with you. I'm not the biggest believer in Grand Mertz, but I do think a change of scenery can help a guy like this and uh hopefully for me you know if since I am on Florida hopefully he has a nice first game at least uh what well, you'll make your picks a little bit later hopefully you get a pick from John uh, as well when John Gonzado joins us on the program in just a little bit here uh but let's head to the NFL Judah the NFL kicks off a week from today can you believe that the NFL is back I am the Chiefs they will be defending their title against the uh, Detroit Lions six and a half point favorites at Kansas City. Andy Reid talking about what makes Patrick Mahomes so good. can he put his finger on it? Well, he tells us what he thinks. Punch it.
3: Like the great quarterbacks, he he can, he understands space and he can process. He, he knows where people are going to be. And so whether it's through film study or or the amount of reps that he's had, he kind of senses where people are. And a lot of guys can't do that. They can't
1: they can't project space and and see and feel. You know, they're a kind of a one, two, three person. That's not how how he looks at it. And I, I, I had a dad that was an artist, and I always say that he kind of saw things outside the box. You know, we all looked
3: at things, and we said, oh, yeah, it's blue. And you would go, well, no, it's green and yellow mixed, and bop, 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 you know, and that type of thing. So that's kind of how the great quarterbacks see things. They just see things
1: that some of us can't see. And Mahomes is that guy, man. I, I love Patrick Mahomes. That's a great way to describe Andy Reid. I love Andy Reid. Uh, there's been a little controversy lately as uh, Joe Montana. I don't know if you heard this, Judah. He's said Tom Brady, not the GOAT. Dan Marino, the true GOAT. And if there's any active quarterback that can pass him, it's Patrick Mahomes. Which I do agree with that. I don't know about the Marino part, but we'll we can talk about that as well. But uh, Chiefs looking to defend their title. Patrick Mahomes looking to make another championship run. Uh, just... Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs taking on the Lions Week One. What was your feel on that one?
0: Uh, it's fascinating to see the Lions in prime time, yeah, right on a Thursday night opener. Not even a team that made the playoffs last year, but I kind of I can't help but see the Lions and Seahawks on similar planes. They both finished with the same record last year. The only reason Seattle got in the playoffs was because Detroit beat Green Bay in the last game of the season, that Sunday night Week 18 in Seattle, beat Detroit week four of the season in Detroit in this crazy game with a bunch of points scored. So I see Detroit and Seattle very similarly in terms of talent. I love the culture that Dan Campbell is, is building there. I love the play caller, Ben Johnson. He's going to be a head coach next year. I thought he might be a head coach this year. Yeah. The fact that they retained him and he came back makes me very bullish on Detroit. And I'm, I'm eager to see how they use Jameer Gibbs. You know, they, they reached for him at 12 overall, the running back from Alabama. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty bold move to make. And I'm eager to see how they deploy him in the offense. Do I think that they can go into Arrowhead and win in a stage like this? No. I, I would lean Chiefs. I would probably lean Chiefs and the points in this situation. But at the same time, you know, I, I do think Detroit's going to be a team we got to take seriously as a playoff team and maybe a division winner and uh, and maybe a team kind of like Minnesota last year. Well, maybe not quite like Minnesota got bum lucky last year. But that wins the North and maybe is able to win a home playoff game and play into the second round, which they haven't won a playoff game, what, since 1990, something like that, when they went to the NFC Championship with Barry Sanders. So it's been a long time for that franchise.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at Detroit, they're going to be able to score, right? That offense is going to be cooking. It just can't they stop anybody. And I don't think in week one they're going to be able to stop the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, man, because yeah, Mahomes is, so. he's just different, man. And, and, you know, we talked about the uh, the quarterback documentary on Netflix. Mahomes is featured in it. He's just, he's a different cat. Like, he loves football and he eats and breathes and sleeps. Well, what and he did does last
0: year in the playoffs is, like, we, we got to still remember that as one of the greatest postseason performances well, of all I think time. Think about
1: the ankle injury he had against that's the Jaguars. I, yeah, that's and, what I mean. And it's and like,
0: that. no one comes back from that and plays well. And he did. Right, right away, and it's just incredible what he accomplished last yeah, year. Yeah,
1: I can't believe that he beat the Jags. I also, thought the Jags someone that had
0: win. Chiefs money in the Super Bowl, it was nice to see that, too. Yeah, that's why you like him.
1: Yeah, I can't believe he came back in that Jags game, but the man is, uh, he's, he's a robot. He is a robot for sure. Uh, that's punching Audio. We do that every single day. We go find the best audio in the world, all around the world, dude. That's what we do. Uh, coming up next, we'll take a break here, hopefully John Kanzano will call us here at some point. We don't know the exact time as he's traveling over to Rice-Eccles Stadium. He's covering the Florida at Utah game. We'll get John on the horn. We'll talk to him. We'll see what the vibes are like at Rice-Eccles Stadium. We'll see if he knows if Cam Rising's playing or not. Can Florida have a chance to beat Utah? We'll find out. Coming up next, I'm Stephen Vaughn. That's Judah Newby on the Ball of Face Truth on the Ball of Face Truth Radio Network. <laughs>
2: Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: Bald Face Truth, Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano as he is in Salt Lake City live from Rice Eccles Stadium. He is on the line right now. Let's just get him on right now. John, you're at uh, Rice-Eccles Stadium. What's the uh, what's the status on Cam Rising? Because I uh, we were watching the TV earlier. I saw him loosening it up. He was stretching out a little bit, doing some things. Uh, what are you seeing out there?
3: Look, uh, Utah's on the field right now, and they are stretching. So I probably will be able to tell you during this call how Rising looks and whether or not he's going to go, or if there's just a, he's out there for show, but. At this point, uh, I'll tell you this, we got a football game that's going to be played here. There's a lot of Florida fans here. There's a, a whole bunch of people inside the stadium already, and uh, it's, not, you know, 89, 90 degrees. Um, you know, the stadium itself, it's interesting because the sun is setting behind the stadium. So the the home side of the stadium is has uh, got a shadow on it, and the visiting side is in the sun. So I'll be curious to see how that plays out uh, as this game unfolds.
1: Yeah, that's weird how they uh, put the visiting team right in the sun. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. a little weird there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, just so it, just the atmosphere, the anticipation of this game, you can really feel it there down in Utah. I mean, it just, it's one of those things, John. You know, Graham Mertz, he's the quarterback for Florida now, transferring Wisconsin. How does he react to a thing like this? Because, you know, Jonathan Smith talked about D.J., how the experience thing does help. And I talked about Graham Mertz.
3: Yeah, look, being experienced. A, uh, there was you know a story that I wrote a little bit about this today, that Florida was in a, in a tough position. You know, they have their quarterback from last year who declares for the draft, the backup quarterback gets arrested. You have, uh, you know, a, a real Jaden Rashada, who was supposed to come in and be the $13 million quarterback. That deal unravels as, you know, as it's being presented. And so it, it, you know really interesting to see like you know the story that that came from an AP reporter in Gainesville was that Florida tried to call Cam Rising in the off season and see if he was interested in transferring and and so you know i think keep an eye on the florida quarterback play and whether or not you know that is a factor and you know we're we're essentially in this era of unrestricted free agency where uh, you know florida had to go out and find a quarterback at the at the last minute
1: well, that I mean, I'd heard. There's also been reports that uh, Tua's brother, Tyola, at Maryland, he got offered by Alabama, a couple million dollars to go there. He turned him down. Like it, it's an interesting time for college football, man. That you can just go out there and get whoever you want if you have enough money. It's it's just crazy to me that that's how it works now.
3: Yeah, and I think look, it, we all know how important that position is. It's a quarterback-centric game. We know that that position drives the bus the NIL dollars are all going to be at that position. And I remember I asked Kenny Dillingham, you know, who ended up with Jade Rashad. I asked Kenny, you know, is it just going to be that you mostly are relying on the transfer portal to, to fill that quarterback position. And he said, look, you're, you're occasionally going to get a good young player. Who's good enough to come in and start right away. And Dante Moore at UCLA is an example of that. Rashada at Arizona state, an example of that, but by and large, you're, these other teams, you're going to see this model where, you know, a homegrown quarterback is going to be a rare thing, and and you know I know Oregon's got a couple guys they really like that on their depth chart, but I think what what last year we had seven of the 12 quarterbacks in the Pac-12 were transfers. I think this year it's eight, uh, and I just think that's the way it's going to go.
0: That's amazing, John Cazzano joining us from Rice-Eccles Stadium. Stephen and I were talking about the matchup on the field, and obviously you know the the QB situation at Utah is primary in that. But what about the coaching matchups between uh, Kyle Whittingham and Billy Napier and then specifically the coordinators at Utah, John? I know how bullish you are on Andy Lugwood and, uh, and Morgan Scally. I have a hard time seeing Utah getting out-schemed in a game like this.
3: Yeah, and I think that, that's the thing is uh, when you look at the, the last couple of weeks, there's been all this indecision at, at Utah over who's going to play quarterback. And people view that as a Utah problem. How about the problem that creates defensively for Florida? Like, you don't know that Cam Rising's going to be out there. You don't know it's Bryson Barnes. You know you don't know what to prepare for or who to scout. So you're you're simultaneously preparing for different quarterbacks. It could be a bit of a distraction. I'm really curious to see if it is Bryson and Barnes, and that's what the prevailing thought is. I'm going to be able to tell you here in just a second as they're breaking off into the position groups. But if it, if it really is Bryson Barnes, uh, and, guys, that's, what, that's what's going to happen here. Now I can – I can see that Cam Rising is—he is not going to warm up, guys. He's, mm. Yeah, I don't think he's going tonight.
1: All right, well, let me uh, uh, log notes. log right in, <laughs> log right in, and get some Florida money in. No, but
3: uh... he is not. Everybody else is suited up in full gear. Now I can see that Cam Rising is in a baseball cap and shorts. He's got his hands on his hips, and he is not even going to suit up.
1: Interesting, interesting. I mean, that line has gone back and forth. It's up to six now. I'm looking at it. I just put a bed in on Florida. Well, there you go. Um, that, that was
0: the right time to do it.
1: But, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, what what do you think of that spread, John? You know, six points, uh, Utah favored over Florida. As you say, it looks like Cam Rising not going to play. Is that yeah, too many not points?
3: Playing. They're, they're warming up. The three quarterbacks are warming up. He is not one of them. So it's going to be Bryson
1: Barnes, probably a little bit of Nate Johnson as well. Uh, Winniham said Johnson's going to play some. So I'm excited to see that. What do you think of that spread then? Six points. Utah, the favorites uh, over Florida.
3: Yeah, I think it's going to drop here in the next 90 seconds when this (laughs) gets out that Rising is not even suited up. I couldn't tell when they were warming up because they were all gathered so tightly. But then as they broke, you know, I could see Rising's long hair, baseball cap on. He's in shorts and a T-shirt. Everybody else is Mm -hmm. suited up. So, um, you know, he is jogging around. He's hanging out with the quarterbacks. But that spread, it's interesting. I feel better. I feel better for you, Stephen, at seven and a half, at seven, you know, but I, do too, but I think, you know, look, if, if it is Bryson Barnes, we're talking about a, a lower scoring game, aren't we? And I think that's why that, that over under number, you know, that started pretty high is, is, con- as, has uh, continually dropped as well. So Forty, I think Utah will run the ball a little more. The ball won't be in the air as much. And, uh, and I think, you know, that, you know, do you feel better with six points in a lower-scoring game? Of course, you do.
1: What, what is uh, what's the scattering point on Bryson Barnes? Like, what do you what do you think Utah fans are going to expect, or what can I expect out of uh, Bryson Barnes in this game against a against the SEC defense who struggled last season? But of course, you know they got the talent, like you said. You texted us. You're at the hotel, Florida. You said they got dudes. How, how does Bryson Barnes uh, react to that and play against
3: this type of team? Yeah, I mean, last year it, it's hard to tell because last year in the Washington State game he was pretty limited and, but he was limited because he came in in relief of cam rising and the game plan wasn't designed for Bryson and Barnes. And so I'm curious to see how different the game plan might look with a scheme that, you know, Andy Ludwig puts together that is really focused on putting Bryson Barnes in position to succeed. Now I covered Ludwig years and years and years and years ago, he was at Fresno state. He had David Carr as a quarterback. And I, I can it's ringing in my ears right now, and a lot of coaches will say, hey, look, I'm just trying to put my guys in position to succeed, but that's what Andy Ludwig does. He does it really well, so I'll be curious to see if he has designed a game plan that will use Barnes and then may also use you know, the speed and athleticism of the backup, backup quarterback uh, who can really run. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some change of pace there as well.
0: John, any, you know, with this rising news in hand, is, do you think there's any chance that this is more of a long-term thing and they're going to try to preserve him for a conference play and maybe even keep him out week two at Baylor? Or do you think it's more week to week and they really want to play him at Baylor next week?
3: I think they really want to play him. But Kyle Whittingham, he told us, right? Remember this on media day. Kyle Whittingham told us that he would not play Cam Rising unless he was 100%. I said 99%. He said no way. So I think as soon as he knows he's 100, he will go. But we know it's a, it's a marathon, right? It's a journey, and the season is long. And we saw Utah lose at Oregon last year and then get beat up in the first half of the Pac-12 championship game and still come back and win it. So they know that it's a marathon.
0: You'll be back on the air tomorrow too, John. But uh, I want I want your thoughts on some of these other Pac-12 games. You touched on Ducks, Portland State, and Beavs, San Jose State in Hour 1. But uh, what other game on the Pac-12 card has your eye this weekend, including, obviously, Coach Prime (laughs) at TCU. You got UW-Boise State, Cal North Texas, Nevada USC, Wazoo Colorado State, and uh, UCLA Coastal Carolina.
3: The two games I really, uh, the ones you mentioned that jump out at me, are obviously I want to see what's going to happen with Coach Prime in week one, and I want to see how they look. Even if they don't win that game, do they look like they can be competitive this year or not? And then secondarily, uh, I'm looking at Washington State, Colorado State. Really, really important season for Washington State as well. You know, they've got that chip on their same chip on their shoulder that Oregon State has. Uh, they got a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Ben Arbuckle is the coordinator now. And, you know, can Cam Ward, who, who wasn't very good, especially on third down last year, can he be better? With a with a new coordinator, Washington State was 94th in the country on third down last year. They they can't have that happen again. They became really one dimensional. They were a defensive team that that you know held teams to 18, 19 points, but had trouble getting to 21 themselves.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, happy week one, John. Are you you you've yeah. got to be excited to be
3: at a awesome stadium to man. see a stadium yes. and see people and uh, you know know that we've got some games on the horizon.
1: Are there any uh, Big Twelve signs out there? Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> no, no Big Twelve signs, but a lot of Florida fans. Oh, is George One there? A few Florida fans infiltrating this stadium.
0: Is George there? With that ha- have you seen George Clayoffkov there?
3: No, I have not seen George. I don't okay. know if he's going to be here. <laughs> I
0: don't know if he's here. I thought he said at media sure. day. He's like, I'll be at I'll be at Utah, Florida, and then I'll be you know at a, at the Colorado game. And I'm just, is he going to show up to any games
3: this year? Uh, I, You know, he did go to the college football playoff meeting. He represented the Pac-12 there, so he's still the commissioner
1: yeah. for now. Ho- hopefully he's doing some work to try to get some teams to join the Pac-12. That, yeah. That's what I'm hoping No for. kidding. Hey, hey what, but
3: last thing
0: for you. What is the latest on, you know, the Beavs, Cougs, Mountain West, Gloria Navarez? What are you hearing, and what's the latest on all that stuff?
3: We, we all still need to be watching Stanford and Cal and the ACC. There's a meeting scheduled tomorrow on that front. Nobody seems to know if they have the votes, but I have a hard time believing they schedule a meeting if they don't have the votes. I think if you're an Oregon State or a Washington State fan, you're rooting really hard that they don't have the votes and that Stanford and Cal are part of whatever Oregon State and Washington State belong to. But if they're not, you've got to pivot very quickly, and you've got to talk about a merger with the Mountain West or, or some other uh, blend with the AAC. And
0: uh, I know you got photographers all over the place and and the coverage at com this weekend. What what can readers expect uh, from you and what you're covering, what angles you're looking at tonight and all weekend long?
3: Well, I'll be writing tonight off this Florida-Utah game, and then uh, obviously we'll have photo galleries. And then, uh, you know, Oregon's game against Portland State, we'll have coverage of that. And then I'll be in San Jose for Oregon State and San Jose State on Sunday.
0: But first, you'll be back on the air tomorrow with us from uh, from Salt Lake, right? <laughs> about
1: all this tomorrow. <laughs> That'll be good stuff. Can't wait, man. That's awesome. John, thank you so much uh, for joining. Really appreciate you. Thank, you. thank you, guys. All right. You're the man, John. That was John Casano uh, from Salt Lake City, Rice Eccles Stadium, where Florida taking on Utah. John looking at the field. Judah saying "Cam rising in uh, just shorts, not warming up. Looks like he will not be playing. It's going to be Bryson Barnes. Uh, what? what How's that change? Does that change your mind at all? Are you still going with Utah? John seems pretty steadfast that he would take uh, Utah minus the six points now. Still, I mean, what do hmm. you lean here? Yeah, I
0: don't know. I I would probably just. You know, bite my lip and, and take Florida in the points, but I don't feel good about I just don't feel good about betting Florida. I just don't like Florida. <laughs> I
1: just don't like them. The, like you I said, the, like un- the under may be a better play.
0: I, I think the under might be a better play, and frankly, my thought, I, I don't think this was a hard call. I think Utah has scripted this whole thing. I really do. When Rising said, you know, a few days ago, I feel 100%. I think that's just playing Florida. Yeah. And just making them freak out and try to get a gameplay for Cam Rising. And I, I think they had no intention of playing Cam Rising in this game and they probably knew it two or three weeks ago. What I I am interested in and that's why I asked John is do they have a plan for Cam Rising that includes keeping him out next week as well right. already? Or have they already been circling week two at Baylor as the time to bring him back? Because like I he obviously feels okay, but there's a difference between feeling okay and starting a college football game against Florida to open the season. Like those are two different types of readiness. Or going on the road to face a Dave Aranda defense. He has two different types of I'm ready to play uh, scenarios. So because I think Utah is comfortable in this situation, I think Andy Ludwig is really good at what he does. And he's probably one of the more underrated play callers out there. I don't trust Florida's offense to be anything special with Graham Mertz. I think at the end of the day, I'm waiting for that line to I'm waiting for the the big number that you just bet on Florida to bring the line down to four and a half or whatever, and yeah. then I would lay Utah four and a half. I've got Utah winning this game twenty six twenty.
1: I wonder I wonder if Utah wins this game, if that changes their mind for next week. Like if they lose this game to Florida, does it make it easier to rest Cam Rising, knowing that you already have hmm. a loss? You may not be in the college football playoff talks anymore. Like,
0: well, I, or you could say that's the other way. You say, hey, we're out of the playoff. Why, why bring Rising back? That's in? what I'm saying. Like, if you Eddie. lose,
1: yeah, you're out. Like, rest him again. But if you be, if you win and you beat Florida, now you're taking on oh, an even be- yeah. taking on an even better Baylor team, who should be better than Florida on the road. Do you bring him back for Baylor? I, it'll be interesting to see. But that game will be happening in a little bit. Of course, check out johnconzano.com. He'll have you covered there. Uh, Check out his Twitter. Check out my Twitter at Steven underscore VON. Check out Judah at Judah Newby as well. As week one, college football is upon us, and it is beautiful. A beautiful sight to see. We'll take a break here, uh, and we'll come back. The NFL, they come back in a week. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Also, I want to talk about the other Pac-12 games and the spread. Me and Judah will be talking about those spreads and uh, who we like in those games. I'm Steven Vaughn. That's Judah Newby on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.
2: Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: Bald Face Truth, Stephen Vaughn, Judah Newby filling in for John Canzano as John is down at Rice Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake covering the Florida at Utah game. That game kicks off here just a little bit. Week one, college football is underway. That's going kind of to highlight game is Florida at Utah for the Pac-12. But there's some other good Pac-12 games, Judah, that I do want to di- dive into. Um, I know this is a game you're excited about. Let's start with this one. I'm going to go in order of what I think are the most fun games. Southern Utah at Arizona State. Yes, that is tonight. How uh, oh, was that?
0: It is tonight. That, that wasn't the most exciting. That was it.
1: Actually, yeah. Well, I, oh, I, that's I, where you were showing No, I wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I actually lied to myself because I, I think the most exciting game is Colorado TCU, but I, I we, we've talked about that one today. I got to
0: say, our guy Spencer McLaughlin, who's, who's contributing for us Ducks content yeah, this yeah. year on 750thegame.com, by the way, has a great preview of Oregon, Portland State. That's live on uh, 750thegame.com right now, host of the Locked on Ducks podcast, does play-by-play for Southern Utah. So he's doing play-by-play mm. tonight. For Southern Utah, Arizona State as well. So, uh, looking forward to seeing his call as Kenneth Dillingham debuts dilly with dilly. the Devils. Dilly dilly.
1: I should have uh, should have asked him what the what the the scouting report on Southern Utah is. The Thunderbirds.
0: They came to Otson in the season opener a few years ago. I want to say it was twenty seventeen because we we had all the Eagle Creek fires that August. Mm, yeah. And it was uh, smoky down at Otson. Uh, I think Tony Brooks James had a kickoff return touchdown on the very first kick of the season, and Oregon put up like 77 on the Thunderbirds.
1: Southern Utah, not a bad basketball team for their conference. Really? Yeah. Not terrible.
0: They bring them to the Mountain West.
1: They're in the whack, so. <laughs> That's whack. The old school whack. That was Willie Taggart's first game, now that i mean, think about it. Oof. Good times. Old Willie. Willie and Dilly. Buckle up. <laughs> Do something. Uh, okay. So, Slick yeah. Willie. Yeah, so uh, that game, actually, Kenny Dillingham, yeah, former Duck coordinator, he uh, Arizona State coach. They play Southern Utah. That's on the Pac-12 network later tonight. Uh, we'll have a we'll have one eyeball on that one, but most of our eyeballs will be on Utah, Florida. The other big game in the Pac-12, Judah, Boise State, a team that uh, some people want in the Pac-12. They're traveling up north to Seattle and going to UW. Right now, Washington's a 14-point favorite. Washington, number 10 in the nation, of course, returning Michael Penix Jr., Kalen DeBoer, for year two. Yeah, I'd like I like Washington a lot this season. Um, you know, they added some guys in the portal. The starting running back, um blanking on the name right now. Yeah, I think it's Cam Davis. Cam Davis, yes. He he's he out was, for the season. He's gonna be
0: the starting uh, yeah,
1: back. but you yeah. know, they went out, they got Dylan Johnson, a transfer from the SEC. Uh, you know, they returned a lot of receivers. The defense, I think you can question that, and that's a legitimate question is are they gonna be good enough defensively? But this Washington team, I do like Washington. I think they're the best team in the Pac-12 right now. If I had to make a bet, I'd pick them to win the Pac-12, get to Vegas, and win that game. Have a chance to go to the college Bowl playoff. I just love what Kalen DeBoer is doing. I love Michael Penix Jr. in that offense. They're 14-point favorites over Boise State, who you talked about earlier, Taylor Green. He's the quarterback now. Uh, we saw him last season in Corvallis. Played okay in relief of Hank Bachmeyer. But uh, Andy Avalos, former Duck D coordinator, he's their head coach, not on the hot seat, but seats get a little warm there, uh, Boise. I'd, I don't know how. Do you really think so? They went
0: yeah. undefeated in Mountain West play last year. Undefeated. But, but they weren't very good in the non conference. But I, I mean, think they,
1: don't they want more? I
0: I don't know. I I because originally I would agree with you. I was like, Andy Avalos isn't really one big yet. They I looked at their record last year, they didn't lose a Mountain West game. Oh, well, we'll see what happens. It's like Taylor Green. It, I think was he a first teamer or second teamer All Mountain West last year? Had it, like, yeah. Man, they got the QB wrong game one of the year. But I don't know. I they might have something to them in this game. Against Fourteen Washington. point
1: dogs going up to Seattle. I mean, we I just talked about the defense of Seattle or Washington, not the strength. Uh, you look at Taylor Green, good athletic quarterback. Yeah. I, what, are, what are you feeling in that one? I I don't know. I don't want to bet
0: on. Taylen Green, but at the same time, like he's a he's an athlete, that's for sure. Um, I just don't know if Boise defensively is going to be able to to hold Michael Penix under 300 yards, right? Yeah. With McMillan and uh, Roma Dunze, like the those three guys, we're going to see a lot. The, both receivers could probably go over a thousand yards this year, and they there's some serious receivers in this conference. Man, with those two guys at UW, with Troy Franklin at Oregon, who frankly I think is getting the short end of a stick because you got Dorian Singer transferring to USC. You've got Tetaroya McMillan at Arizona that gets a ton of of headlines. Um, you know, you you've got some really good receiving talent in this conference, but I think UW probably has has the two best ones. And between that and Penix, it's it's gonna take a lot to slow down you know, Washington's offense, and then does Boise have enough to keep pace with them? I think the the way they cover this game is probably
1: 38-28. Yeah.
0: But I don't know if that's asking too much out of that Taylor Green cat.
1: I mean, you, the thing about Washington is them and Utah were playing the best football in the Pac-12 last season, to end of the year. Like, those are the top two teams. Yeah. I would have loved to see, you know, Washington in the Pac-12 title game because I think they were probably better than USC at that point. How in the
0: world did Washington lose to Arizona State?
1: I don't know. That's that's <laughs> the thing. You know, is it going to be one of those teams that just they drop a game here and there yeah. that we don't expect it? But I I, I don't think so. Kevin DeBoer, I, I'm a Kevin DeBoer fan, man. When they hired him, it was a great hire. Their offensive coordinator too. Nick
0: Saban Nick tried to went, tried to poach him. Tried to poach him, and Ryan Grubb said, Well, oh, I'll parlay this to a." pay
1: raise. I'll probably this is going to the big ten, baby. He's making he's making a chunk of
0: change now is the play caller up there. Uh, you're right. The DeBoer, Ryan Grubb, Penix pairing with those receivers.
1: <sighs> and the fact that all of them are saying this offense is it's untapped right now still. For how good it was a season ago, it's untapped potential. Like mm-hmm. we can be that much better. I'm buying Washington. I think Washington covers this game. I think yeah. Washington wins I, I think and wins by win. a lot. Yeah. Uh another big game. Colorado TCU. Uh, TCU, the national runner-ups the season ago. I can't believe they got to the national title game where they got absolutely annihilated by Georgia. I think a team of me and Judah and John could have put up a better fight against Georgia. That's my hot well. <laughs> take. That's my hot take in TCU. Who's playing what position? You say? I don't know. Maybe Max Duggan has to be a quarterback. But
0: I might hey, be. I'm the possession slot guy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I do a lot of
1: damage, dude. You do a lot, a of, lot damage. of damage. I've seen it. I thrive. I've seen it in person. It's it's incredible. It's impressive to watch. Cooper Cup's got nothing on this. Ooh, nice. Uh, <laughs> but Colorado coming in, dude. I'm gonna play this down real quick before we uh, have to head out. But Tom Luganbill, ESPN. He said Colorado may be the worst or the least talented team of the nation. I can't believe he said this. I think we're gonna we're gonna finally see for all the hoopla and all of the hype uh, going into the off season with Deion Sanders in Colorado. It does not mask the fact that they don't have any players on that roster. And you think you thought UMass was the worst roster in
2: college football? It may be Colorado's. Now I say that. Do they have a quarterback? Yes. Do they have two starting corners? that could be NFL guys, and one of them plays both ways. Yes. They are so devoid of talent up front on both sides of the ball. I don't know how they're going to keep their quarterback upright.
1: Look, up front, yeah, they have some problems. But the fact that you just said they have two NFL cornerbacks and a really good quarterback, they can't be the least talented team in the nation. I mean, that's just it's it's irresponsible to say that by Tom Luganville. But whatever it is, that'll be an interesting game. 21-point spread TCU favored over Colorado. I can't wait. I'm in on Colorado. I don't know that they win this game. I don't think they win, but I think they cover. I think they get to four or five wins this year. Cannot wait for Coach Prime uh and the buffs there is just something about college football that gets my juices flowing a little bit week one is here florida at utah coming up here soon rice Eccles stadium that's where john canzano is he is covering the game live down at rice Eccles stadium i'm steven vaughn that's judah newby we're filling in for john john will be back tomorrow with the recap but he'll have all the coverage tonight uh, Check that out as it's a big game for the Pac-12. Florida leaving the state of Florida going non-conference for the first time since 1991. And they're going to Utah, Salt Lake City. Taking on the Utes. That line's jumping. Jumping back down to five and a half right now from, uh, from six points. It's been everywhere. As Cam Rising, you heard it here. John Conzano was on the show earlier. You heard it here first. When he was officially out, he saw that Cam Rising was not in uh, the uniform. He was in street clothes. John broke it here first. So uh, he's always giving you the news, always breaking news, always doing it great. But week one, college football is here. Cannot wait for this weekend. But it's going to start right now here on a Thursday night. Then we got the NFL next Thursday. Lions taking on the Chiefs as the Chiefs look to uh, defend their Super Bowl championship Against the Detroit Lions. That will be a lot of fun as well. But, man, dude, back. It's time. Football is back, baby. Football time. Four quarters every single game. That's what they do.
0: <laughs> you get me. You got my four-quarter language. And, plus, it's kind of more football weather today. I got to say.
1: It felt um, like a football day today.
0: I do not mind the weather getting a little. We, we needed some wet weather, first of all. And when I woke up this morning, I knew it rained overnight. And I knew there was football. Primetime tonight, I was like, you know what? I think we've made it. <laughs> it
1: kind like of <laughs> November. It felt like a early November. Yeah, it's still warm outside.
0: So it's, it's, you know, not quite that. But I saw a couple of leaves on the ground in my neighborhood. Oof. They were wet. They were... Colorful. Sh- they were starting to, you know, work their way toward the drain, curbside. Oh, yeah. Clog That's everything. when you knew it's, it might clog. <laughs> and it might be a month before it really gets cloggy, but... That's when you know. I call, I call it football weather. I tell my wife. I say, it's football weather The, out cl- there. the cloggy weather yeah. leaves.
1: The cloggy leaves. That's how you know. Is football it's football season. It's
0: man. when the leaves are clogging stuff. That's when you know. It's Utah, Florida. I'm a John, so John Canzano. 90
1: degrees in Salt Lake. <laughs> John, yes, yeah. yeah, 90 in Salt Lake. It was where John Canzano is in Salt Lake City. 90 degrees and sunny where he is. But he's covering Florida at Utah. That game. he got off here in a couple minutes. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. But as we do every single day. It is the five at five without Anna this time. Five and five. The five at five. Now, Judah, we didn't really talk about this. I hope you put together a five and five. If not, I will do it on the fly here. <laughs> hey, uh, I will. Let's both do it a little bit on the fly. But I'll start okay. with what okay. you mentioned. Yeah, Cazano. you go first. You go first. I'll I'll figure out my story. Yeah,
0: Kazano broke news about half hour ago during his call. He could see it live as it was happening. This is how it sounded when John broke the news. That uh, Cam Rising wasn't going to play.
3: You know, you don't know what to prepare for or who to scout, so you're you're simultaneously preparing for different quarterbacks it could be a bit of a distraction. I'm really curious to see if it is Bryson Barnes, and that's what the prevailing thought is. I'm going to be able to tell you here in just a second as they're breaking off into the position groups. But if it if it really is Bryson Barnes, uh, and guys, that's what that's what's going to happen here. Now I can I can see that Cam Rising is he's not going to warm up, guys. He, mm. Yeah, I don't think he's going tonight.
1: All right. Well, let me uh, uh, log
3: notes. log right
1: in, log right in, <laughs> and get some Florida money in. No, but uh...
3: Zach, he is not. Everybody else is suited up in full gear. Now I can see that Cam Rising is in a baseball cap and shorts. He's got his hands on his hips, and he is not even going to suit up.
0: So there you go. He broke it. He's got hands on hips, baseball, Kevin, everything, and then Stephen Vaughn. You slid in
1: there and uh, hammered a Florida. Slid team. in the DMs there of uh, sportsbook. No, but I, I, you know, I think it's big. I, I think the news of Cam Rising not playing in this game is huge. He gets underrated almost, and it's hard to do that when he's won two Pac-12 championships. But I think just because the guy isn't six four, he doesn't run a super fast forty, he doesn't throw the deep ball all the time that he gets, you know. We don't think of him as a great quarterback. We just think he was a great leader. He is a great leader. The best leader in the Pac-12 conference. But he's also a dang good quarterback. And I think Utah's going to be hurting without him tonight. Braxton Barnes, we've seen him a little bit. We saw him in the Rose Bowl. We saw him uh, start against Washington State. But this is a different animal. You know, this is an SET team. Florida Gators, they're hungry. They're coming off of a bad season where they need to prove themselves as well. Uh, I, you know, the line was jumping five and a half, six. I like six. But this game is starting now. I think the question right now, obviously, you know, Judah, you touched on this a little bit, is that you know Kyle Whittingham is definitely going to have the coaching advantage over Billy Napier, and how big of an advantage is that for the Utah Utes going into this game, being at home without Cam Rising, can the coaching effect of Whittingham? Uh, really be the difference in this ball game against Billy Napier. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, that
0: and the coordinators. You know, Ludwig I think is great. Morgan Scalley is great. I have a hard time seeing Utah not be really well coached up and really well prepared in a game in a spot like this. Next week at Baylor may be a different story because I've got a ton of respect for what Baylor does. Yeah. But in a spot like this, I'm going to bet Utah and I'm going to feel pretty good about it. But Maybe not at 6, but I think Utah wins 26-20. Where's the total,
1: 44? It was 44 and a half. Yeah, maybe 23-20. It <laughs> no, yeah, it's going to be a low-scoring game. That's the yeah. thing, though. I don't I can't. I don't expect these teams to be lighting up the field on fire. That's for sure. Uh, all right, number two, I'll do that one. Uh, you know, the Seahawks, Judah, you love them. I love the Seahawks, and uh, they are getting a little bit of help today. As Cooper Cup, he had a setback in his hamstring. He is day to day. We talked about Cooper Cup a little bit earlier. As you compared yourself to Cooper Cup on the football That's field, right. damn right. But uh, you know, Cup, he is uh, the uh, the record breaker wide receiver from two years ago. Got hurt a season ago. Uh, he suffered the injury back on August first of the hamstring. Returned to the practice field uh, just last week. Said he felt he would be ready for the team's regular season opener. But now Sean McVay has announced that there is a setback, and he is day-to-day, still unknown if he's going to play in that week one game against your Seattle Seahawks uh, up at Lumen Field. The Rams, of course, not supposed to be very great this season, but Cooper Cup, Super Bowl MVP, uh, would be a huge loss if he's not able to play. Rams need Cooper Cup, man. They need to stay healthy with Stafford and Cup. The Rams are a very interesting team. Two seasons ago, they won the Super Bowl. They have the same coach. They have the same quarterback, yet they are not supposed to be good. It is shocking how much and how fast they have fallen. I think they could be okay if they stay healthy, but this team seems like they could be a disaster if they don't stay healthy. And one of those teams where maybe, you know, the NFC West, we think of them as a really good division. They got the Cardinals who could be terrible and the Rams who could potentially be terrible as well.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I've got all the respect in the world for Sean McVay. And, uh, and the Rams. But you're right. I mean, there's been a ton of regression since winning it all. If they don't have Cooper Cup, I mean, that makes me feel a lot better because Seattle's going to in all likelihood be without Jackson Smith and Jigba, their yeah. rookie slot guy as well. Um, and I never feel good about playing the Rams. Never. Like, even when you think Seattle's a better team than the Rams, they go down there against John Walford last year and damn near lose. It takes a Geno Smith two-minute drive.
1: It shows you how good of an offensive coach McVay is.
0: Very, very much so. And even when the Rams are down, they rally around that guy. They believe in Sean McVay. I believe in Sean McVay. I love him. But at the same time, man, to not have Cooper Cup in week one, if he does get ruled out, huge break for Seattle. Makes me feel very, uh, very good about their chances. Because the Rams, they've got all sorts of questions. Can they run the ball? That Their offensive line's a mess. Yeah. I mean, and, and it still is. Even, uh, you know, their, their, th- their only draft pick they had and they didn't have a first-round pick, obviously, but – the second-round pick they used on Steve Avila, a guard out of TCU. And even with that, man, they, they got so many questions protecting Matt Stafford. So if they had Cooper Cup, I'd be nervous about that game just because I'm always nervous against the Rams. But without him, feel a lot better about Seattle's chances.
1: Yeah, and it's, he's still questionable, Adon, uh, yeah. if he's going to play or not. McVay went on to say, Take you know, it easy,
0: Cooper, you know, yeah, just
1: eat t- yourself in. It's a long season. It's like Cam Rising, you know, just take week one yeah, off, you just know. just take but, it uh, off. Yeah, you Get know, McVay it. said whether it's September 10th when he comes back or not, They'll just continue to monitor and control what they control. Make sure he's 100%, though.
0: Well, it's important. Uh, a fantasy case. nugget. Yes. You know, for anybody. I'm not playing fantasy this year, but for those that play fantasy, it's an important uh, nugget.
1: What are, you, what are you doing with your life if you're not playing Dude, fantasy football? I just,
0: man, I, I'm consuming all 22 at a at an epic rate this year. That's what I'm doing. And you are a football guy. The, the NFL Game Pass app gives you all 22. It's, it's the best, man. I lo- I'm learning so much, but uh, it's also kind of nerdy.
1: All right, number three. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, Deshaun Watson, Cleveland Browns. Mm. I won't say match made in heaven, but it's some some kind of match. That's for sure. But the Browns have named Deshaun Watson one of their five captains. He's a leader. He's a leader of that team. Leader of men. Watson entering his first full season as Cleveland's starter. Kevin Stefanski, the head coach, said the players voted on the cam- on the captains. He said it's, it's very, very natural for Deshaun to lead, and I think he's comfortable leading from out in front. I think he's comfortable from <laughs> – I can't even say this. <laughs> this is a quote. I think he's comfortable from leading and letting his teammates get credit, something he's done his whole life, and the way he's integrated himself into this football team is impressive to watch.
1: You got a problem with this? No, I mean – It's kind of, no, I don't have a problem with it because this is going to happen. He's the quarterback, right? Like there's not many teams that the quarterback isn't the captain. Wasn't it last season? I believe Tua wasn't the captain. Everyone freaked out about it. He was the only quarterback not chosen as captain. Like even if you're a bad quarterback, you're still the captain of the team. So I don't have a problem with it, but it's gross. It's just gross that he's, you know, out there being the leader and people are, you know, making comments like that. Like, it's just wild. Utah uh, just put a touchdown on the board already. First play, Bryson Bards, deep pass. Oh. Utah up 6-0. No way. Yeah. Uh, I got distracted there, but... woo uh,
0: baby.
1: Yeah, Deshaun... The, look, we talked about the NFC West. I mean, the AFC North is a very, very good division with the Ravens and the Bengals and the Steelers, who some people think are really good. And Kenny Pickett could be that guy. And you got the Browns who... you know, what, three, four seasons ago, we were talking about Deshaun Watson being a top five quarterback. Like, that's how good that guy has been in his career. He's still young, still in his prime. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun's good this season. I'm definitely not rooting for him. And so it doesn't surprise me, Judah, that he's a captain, but it's just more gross than anything that that guy still plays football and is allowed to do these things. And then the coach comes out and says things like that. It's just, it's just a weird situation that that's the guy that the Browns said, hey, we're going to go all in on this guy. After we knew all this stuff about him, then we're going to give him all guaranteed money. It's just a weird spot where you give him those type of dollars. I just don't like it. All right, number four here. Uh, the ACC, John Consano talked about this a little bit, but the ACC, they are setting a meeting for tomorrow to discuss expansion. Stanford, Cal, SMU trying to get into the ACC. The, uh, the president's going to vote on it. Now, remember... ACC, you need 12 out of the 15 schools to vote yes to expand. Right now, there are 11 of the 15 schools that have voted yes. The four schools that haven't, Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, and North Carolina State, all voted no on the expansion of Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Now, it seems like all eyes, Judah, are on NC State. As multiple sources have said, that's the one school that could be a flipper. In this and that, uh, North Carolina, Clemson, Florida State seem pretty strong, and uh, pretty much like they're not going to change. We heard the North Carolina soccer coach; he's not a fan of that. Florida State—they're just not a fan of the ACC in general. And I think Clemson's just kind of reevaluated everything as well. But NC State, the team that looked for uh, to try to flip their vote to get Stanford, Cal, SMU into the ACC, and I think it's big for Oregon State, Washington State fans because if if they end up expanding, getting those teams in the conference, man. Pack twelve is doomed at that point. But if they vote no, Stanford and Cal have to go back to the Pack four at that point. I think that's where you can look and you say, okay, you know, we can start with these four teams. Hey SMU, do you want to come with us? Come to the Pack four, get some Mountain West teams, and try to rebuild from there. I think big decisions coming tomorrow for uh, for Oregon State's future.
0: Yeah, finally. I mean. Are we actually going to get time, a decision? Hopefully, yeah. I, I say I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm starting every time we we think that a, a decision's coming, it doesn't come, and then we you know kick the can down the road for for a while. But I don't know, man. Do you feel like this is inevitable?
1: It's just going to happen. Stanford, Cal to the ACC because like, yes, what is it minus four fifty? It's got to be right. Like if you're the ACC, why would you not do this? Because you're looking around the nation and you're saying, how do we stay relevant? Right, it's not as if like this the ACC is a super strong conference all in together. Like Florida State has said they want out. Clemson has been rumored to like want out. Notre Dame isn't actually a full member of the ACC. Like if they left to go to conference, probably the Big 10. Like they're not going to the ACC. So, yeah, I think if you're the ACC, you try to do what you can to add some teams and, you know, you pick up the scraps of the Pac-12 after they got ambushed by the Big 12, by the Big 10. And all that's left is Stanford and Cal. Like I get it. Like you need to go out and try to get those teams to come to your school. I, but you know, you know these the, the four schools they voted no. Is NC State going to go against North Carolina? I think that's the thing. It's kind of the Oregon State Oregon deal where Oregon State was kind of latched onto Oregon. It seems like NC State is latching on to North Carolina. Are they going to go against their uh, their big bros there and say, "No, nah, you're good. Let's go. Let's get these teams, even though you don't want them in." It's something to uh, keep an eye on. I think so, that yeah. I think they vote yes if I had to guess, but I have no inside knowledge of that. What what do you think? You think you're voting yes? I
0: think they vote yes, too. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, but, like, I appreciate them holding out, you know, and trying to keep the integrity, but I have so little faith in college football presidents and and universities these days. I think it's inevitable Stanford and Cal get to the ACC, even as, you know, bat bleep crazy, that is. And then... It is bat bleep crazy. It is. is. Then then what, Oregon
1: State, Mountain West? Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I think they... They well, what do you like, out-
1: like better, Oregon State the Mountain West or Oregon State in the AAC?
0: Um, uh, Mountain West, probably. Yeah, just ge- geographically. Geographically. And, and to me, it's more of a short-term band-aid to set you up for the next long-term move. That's, yeah. that's how I kind of view it. I view it as like a two-year thing, you know. And you got to negotiate those kind of terms into whatever conference move you make. And then maybe the Mountain West absorbs the reserve funds. That the Pac-12 has? Because that seems to be the sticking point. The Pac-12 as a conference still has millions of dollars in reserve funds, you know, emergency reserve fund. Like, that's got to find a home. I'm sure the Mountain West, the ACC, would love to lo- love to have that in addition to having the Beavs and the Cougs. But to me, Mountain West seems like the, the most likely scenario, but I also think it's a short-term play and not a long-term play. Frankly, I, I, I think of Stanford-Cal the same way. I think that getting to the ACC, it can't be till 2036 in yeah. their Grand like. Free my- the whole thing's going to blow up very, very soon, and get into two major conf- super conferences or something like that. You're just trying to position yourself for the next couple of years to where you want to be. You want to be part of it when that yeah, happens. Yeah, you want to be. All.
1: You want to be one of those teams that's in the two, three, four super conference, whatever it is. Yeah. You you just want to find a spot at the table. So I, I think they get in. Cause I think the ACC needs to try to get some uh, solid footing.
0: By the way, is SMU also going to the ACC? Because that would change your AAC you know, intrigue a little bit to me. It
1: went, it went a little bit, but I, I, I like the AAC. I I, I I, think that they're more willing to be like, Hey, you know what? We know what you're doing here. You're trying to set yourself up to get back into those power conferences where the mountain West, I mean, what there's no, it's not like the mountain West is a great conference. Like no one respects them anyway. It's the same thing. Like you talk about the schools in it. It's like, Cool. Everyone thinks the teams in the Mountain West stink. Everyone thinks they stink at the AAC. The AAC at least is out there saying, hey, we don't care if you want to join our conference to then get to a bigger conference. So I think that, and like you said, I think that's the ultimate goal is try to get one of those big conferences. I think the best chance is through the uh, AAC rather than Mountain West. But it remains to be seen. That vote happens tomorrow. See what happens with Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Number five. Number, number five, I got
0: to give the Mariners some love. Let's do it. You know, they Day 76 and 57. They won again yesterday against the uh, Oakland A's to win the series. It was a tough series. But Mariners won 21 games in August. It's a franchise record for victories in a single month in franchise history. 21 wins in, in one month alone. Hottest team in baseball. Tied with Houston now at the top of the American League West. One game clear of Texas, who is continuing to be on the struggle bus right now. And uh, Seattle off today, but they opened a series at the New York Mets starting tomorrow night. What would it mean for the Mariners, not just to make the playoffs, Stephen, but for the Mariners to win the American League West? Oh, That would be year? crazy.
1: I mean, it would be unexpected for sure. And I think it would really mean that they've arrived, right? And the young talent that they have gotten, a lot of them have worked out. And then... There's been a lot of hate on Jerry DePoto, and I think some of it is warranted, but he's gone out and he's made some really good moves going out and get Luis Castillo. He's number one in the AL and whip right now. Is he really? Yes. Mariners have three of the top five guys in Major League Baseball and whip. Curb. Kirby and um, Logan Gilbert. Gilbert. Two draft picks, and then Luis Castillo leads the Major League Baseball. Leads the Major League Baseball. Leads Major League Baseball in uh, whip. It's uh, it would only be the fifth time, no sixth time since 1900 that a team finished with three of the top five guys qualified, qualified starting pitchers in WHIP three of them, three of the five. So, you know, historically good pitching staff. Julio Rodriguez bats 4.29 in August. Like that guy is on a tear that we haven't seen before. It's working out in Seattle. And I think you know it's one of those things. We talk about steps in sports. Like, what's the next step for this team? Last season for the Beavs, it was, "Hey, get a win at Fresno State and beat Boise State." That was the first step. Now it's get to ten wins. They got that step. Next step, get to Vegas. I think for the Mariners, it was get that step, get to the playoffs. They did that last season. Win the division. Like that's the next step yeah. in the progression. I think they're on the right track. Well,
0: to do it in the division with the Astros, who were yeah. the and the, the Rangers, who been favorite favorites really too. Then the Rangers started out so strong and have obviously struggled late. But and the Mariners struggled, you know. They were terrible the, for the majority of this year. It was like you've got to be kidding me. This was the year to take a step forward, and they they took a long time for them to get back to five hundred. And then post All Star break, they've just caught fire and haven't looked back. And it's been fun, man. It's it's been a lot of fun. It's it's ironic that they struggled up until the All Star game, which was in Seattle, right? So the the celebration for the All Star game was a little bit more muted. You we were
1: hoping to have a lot more Mariners on the team, just like yeah. they had in two thousand one.
0: But all you really had was Julio. Yeah, it felt like and. But then it was after that moment that the team, you know, caught fire. I don't know if it's relieved a little pressure or what, but it's been good to see because I like Scott Service, the guy. You know, I've talked to him a handful of times covering games up there, and he seems like a great, great dude. And you root for great, good dudes and great people. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes, right. you you know, you wear out your welcome. And for a while there, I thought that was going to be it for Scott. And, man, they've caught fire, and i it would be awesome if they won the division. It's going to be tough because Houston and Texas are obviously right there. But Mariners playing as good as a ball as anybody.
1: There's been numerous times where I thought, Nah, eh, it's got service. He's gone. He's, he's done. You've worn out You're welcome. But look but- what
0: the Timbers did with, with Savarese. You know, he yeah. was good, dude. Everybody loved him. Went to two MLS Cup Finals and had had a lot of most wins in club history. But been here. on the struggle bus this year, and you lose 5-0, boom, you're gone. You got to love sports. That's how sports <laughs> is. That's the 5
1: at 5. How I- about that? A little
0: Timbers Mariners. Cross correlation ex- cross example now you got the new Jeez, new coach of the me. timbers
1: and their win last night two to one huh okay. you were there i was how, how was the atmosphere it was good it was really good um it was my wasn't my first timbers game as a fan i've been there back in the day before their mls when it was really rowdy yeah you're and an og Oh, oh, yeah. You go USF. And uh, Timber, Timber Joey, I don't know if it was Timber Joey at the time, but they had the, had the log that stood straight up, and he just climbed it and then cut it <laughs> rather than, like, on the ground like he's you know, 80 feet in the air.
0: You know, I saw Timber Joey oh, wears earplugs now.
1: Oh, come on. You think that's a little soft? A little soft.
0: Yeah. But then I thought about, I was like, Mel, no, maybe he's trying to set a good example for kids. He gave he gave Lincoln a fist a
1: fist bump. So, Did he? Uh, yeah. So I'm proud, of him. I'm proud gave,
0: of him. I love Timbers. He's been up to the studios uh a few times. He's great.
1: The kid the kids had a great time. I had a great time and they and they won. So it was fun. They won.
0: Timbers won.
1: Shockingly. Uh
0: Shock, yeah, well yeah. <laughs> as, that.
1: As of now, shockingly. But you know, the long season. Long season. Just like college football, long season Judah. Game 1s are today. Week 1 is starting right now. We'll be uh, keeping you updated on that. We'll talk about some more of the Week 1 Pac-12 games this weekend. But let's also talk about the NFLs. The NFL starts a week from today. I want to get Judah's take on the Seahawks a little bit since he is our uh, resident Mm -hmm. Seahawks fan. I want to get some other just NFL takes in general. We'll talk about that coming up next on the Bald Face Truth on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.
2: got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game.
1: Steve Vaughn, Jude Nubian for John Canzano, Bald Face Truth. John down in Salt Lake City, for the Florida Utah game, he's covering that right now. Utah up 7-0 and that one. Whew, I just saw this one roll across my Twitter timeline. Judah, there is a uh, Disney blackout on Spectrum cable. It just started twenty two minutes ago as college football was starting. That is unfortunate for people with Spectrum.
0: There is a a Disney
1: blackout. Yeah, they they don't have a deal with them anymore, and it started twenty two minutes ago at basically at like five o'clock.
0: Oh, that's brutal.
1: Yeah. Has nearly 15 to tell me that wasn't
0: subs- on purpose.
1: It had nearly fifteen million video uh, subscribers before the Florida Utah game and now they can't watch. So that's oh, unfortunate. Who has Spectrum? I don't know, but is I Is that an LA thing? I just hate is it like I hate T V and I hate conference realignment. I hate all these <laughs> things that I can't watch games on TV. Just give me football games on TV to watch. That's all I want. Is it I mean it's twenty twenty three? How can we not figure this out, Judah? I'm just, oh, is that Direct T V? I'm pissed now. Oh my goodness! Can you believe that? Right, and this seems to happen every year. It's like right as football is starting, like, hey, well, we can't figure out a deal. Okay, well, now we're just going to screw everybody over that wants to watch all these games. It's just, ah, uh, it's just entirely frustrating. Yeah, dude, uh, I I
0: hate the the kind of passive aggressive dynamics. Like last year, it was Directv quiet quitting on the NFL. Yeah, because they lost red zone. And you know, YouTube TV got it, and then everybody's Red Zone experience sucked last year because Direct TV was like, "Yeah, we're done."
1: Yeah, we're good. and there's
0: some of that with like Pac-12 employees this year. Refer- there's a ton of Pac-12 referees that already are going to the Big Ten next year. I mean, how would you? I mean, I and I, there's like people in the conference office, like you know, how do you? I mean, stay I do focus to do your job when you know you're done.
1: You're like, toast. I don't blame them, but at the same time, like it is like, your be job. professional. It is your job. And I just want to watch football. Why can't I just watch football? Speaking of football, NFL starts in a week from tonight, Judah. You will be able to watch that. NBC, Uh, over the air. Is that NBC? The season opener. We'll also be able to hear it on uh, 750 The Game, huh? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And streaming for free
0: on uh, 750thegame.com. Get
1: your phones ready for that one. Chiefs, Lions, in Kansas City, reigning Super Bowl champions, Kansas City Chiefs. That's a six-and-a-half-point spread, but I don't want to talk about that. We talked about that a little bit already with Patrick Mahomes. Judah, the more important game, Seattle Seahawks. They are taking on the Los Angeles Rams right now on the DraftKings app in Oregon. Seattle, five-point favorites over the Rams, as we mentioned in the 5-5 five five Cooper Cup. Uh, looks to be questionable for that game. He re-aggravated his hamstring injury, but you know I just want to get your take on the Seahawks because you know you follow the Seahawks as much as anybody that I know. Uh, better you know, for better or worse. For better or worse, you are a Seahawks fan. I love talking Seahawks with you. I love bringing up old Seahawks stuff that makes you mad. It's That's really true. funny, but also sad at the same time, because I just see your emotions come back out of you. I can't even imagine what you were like live when it happened. Oh, uh, you don't want to know. I don't want to know. But yeah. uh, you, know, you look at Seattle, and Jackson Smith and Jigba probably going to be out in week one, but they bring back a lot of their offense. Geno, DK, uh, You know, they draft ja- Zach Charbonnet for the backfield. How are you what's the what's the feeling like right now for mm. you as a Seahawks fan mm, are, are, are they really going to be NFC West contenders are they NFC championship contenders like mm. how high is this ceiling for the Seahawks do you think coming into this well season?
0: it's you know i think 10 wins right so they won 9 games last year I think getting another win is reasonable enough to expect. Now, last year I was down on these guys, right? I mean they, the over under was like four and a half and I thought they could go under. Right. All I wanted to do was beat Russell, Hustle, Bustle, a man muscle Wilson. And they did that Monday night, one of the craziest Monday night games you'll you'll ever see. Thank you, Nathaniel Hackett. <laughs> I watched the end of that game the other day again. I was like, how how that did probably he made kick, you happy? How right? did he kick a sixty four yard field goal? and waste 40 seconds off the clock with three timeouts in the fourth quarter. I could not believe it. Gift-wrapped. The most important win of the year was the Denver win. Um, now, that being said, Seattle, look, like, they they started 6-3, and three, had to go to Munich, lost to Tom Brady, came back. They, they let Josh Jacobs run for, like, 200 yards. They lost to Carolina at home as well. They... You know, they, they they struggled a little bit late in the year and obviously needed help from Detroit just to make the playoffs. So what I'm looking for this year is to not be in that position. I think there's a chance they win the NFC West. I think some people think that's crazy because the 49ers are just so much more talented. But, you know, the 49ers, they have the injury bug every other year. And obviously they got it last year in the NFC title game. But whether it's Nick Bosa going down or, or somebody else that's key that, that goes down, Obviously, at the quarterback position, it doesn't matter as much. I think Darnold is a very capable backup there, um, especially in that system. But Debo's missed time. Christian McCaffrey's missed time. They've still got questions on the offensive line outside of Trent Williams. And um, and Fred Warner's one of the best, you know, Mike linebackers. But they new defensive coordinator and Steve Wilkes. I don't know. There's still enough holes in the 49ers, I think, that there's room for Seattle to win this division. And it will ultimately come down to a three-week span when they play the 49ers Thanksgiving night in Seattle. Then they visit Dallas the following Thursday, I believe. And then they visit San Francisco again. So they play the Niners twice in three weeks, basically, basically twice in two and a half weeks. And, um, and that's going to be where the division is determined. And it could be, where the Seahawks playoff fates are determined as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, I would like to think, like, with football teams and, you know, even basketball teams, whatever, professional sports teams, what's your ceiling, what's your floor? And I, I think mm. with the Niners, their floor is so high because yeah. they're so talented defensively. Like, they're going to stand ball against because that defense and Kyle Shanahan offensively can, like you said, he can make Sam Darnold look competent. And I'm not a big Sam Darnold guy. I don't think he's a very good NFL quarterback. But I think you're right. If he has to get thrown into action... The Niners will be fine. They'll be able to win some games with Darnold. I I think the question for the ceiling for the Niners is just what is Brock Purdy? Now, he starts five games in the regular season, goes 5-0. and Looks good. But it was five games. Like, nobody had seen him play. There wasn't much of a scouting report. Now you got a whole year on him. Like, is he really going to be the guy that can elevate the Niners to the Mm. Super Bowl? I I think that's a legitimate question to ask. And I think for the Seahawks, same thing. Like, I think the floor is very high with the Seahawks. You look at the offense— and I've, I, you know, I've questioned Geno Smith a lot before, but for whatever you think he is, he's a solid quarterback in the NFL. Like he's been in the NFL for a long time, whether he's a superstar or not, the offense around him is going to help him at least elevate the Seahawks floor that much. So I'm with you. Like, I think both floors of these teams are really good. They both should be shooting for the playoffs. I just think yeah. the Niners have such a higher ceiling than the than the Seahawks because of the unknown of Brock Purdy and the brilliance of Kyle Shanahan on the offensive side, because the defense for the 49ers is the difference. Like, they're so good that if Kyle Shanahan finds that quarterback, like, this could be the best team in the
0: NFL. It's really fun for fans in this area because there's, you know, a lot of local ties on the Seahawks and the Niners. De'Amador Lenore, the former Duck, he's starting at corner uh, for the 49ers this year because, you know, they've they've lost. I think Jimmy Ward went somewhere else in uh, in free agency. Talanawa Hufunga, of course, the Corvallis yep. native. He's like one of the more dynamic playmakers. Awesome. Uh, at safety, he's great. Obviously, Eric Armstead is a game wrecker up front. Nick Bosa's is holding out right now. Yeah. That's kind of a thing, but, I, you know, I never really believe in those until the guy misses week one. Same, with Chris, guy, same with Chris Jones. Pittsburgh. Like, yeah. he, he's threatened. Same with Chris Jones. He's
1: threatened he might sit out till week eight, but it's one of those things where, I'm like, all right, I'll, yeah. I'll believe that when I see
0: it. Exactly. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but, There's a lot of good, you know, local guys. I I do worry about Seattle offensively in this regard. Like, I like the tackles. Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, second-year guys, performed very admirably as rookies last year. That's hard to do in the NFL, two rookie tackles. Uh, But they're very solid. On the interior of the O-line, still a question to me. You know, they signed, uh, I think, uh, you know, a guy from Detroit to play center. They also drafted a center, fourth round out of Michigan. You know, guard... They're, they're okay, but they're not great at guards. So, you know, hopefully Seattle can really commit to running the ball like the way that, that Pete wants to in the sense of Kenneth Walker can be your home run guy, and Zach Charbonnet can get you a bunch of doubles. Because yeah. Charbonnet doesn't have top-end speed, but he can break a lot of tackles. Yeah, we saw that's what that, he did at UCLA. Yeah, we
1: saw that dude at UCLA. Yeah. I mean, that guy was a difference maker. For the Bruins last yeah. season, I, I don't, you know, and I, like we said, with that offense, I don't expect it to be any different. Like he'll just be able to add a different element to that the, to that
0: offense. The concern with Seattle offensively would be, all right, what if uh, you know they they pressure Geno Smith a lot because of the interior O line, and and you're still second year at tackles, you're not able to create holes in the run game the way you want. Jackson Smith and Jigba might get hurt at some point. Obviously, he's got the wrist thing now, and you're not that deep at the receiver position. Well, see, the, Jake Bobo has emerged a lot in the preseason. Uh, Mike Bobo's kid and uh, the UCLA guy. I, I love that, but I don't know. Seattle lacks a little bit of depth in some areas that if they get banged up a little bit, that would make me concerned about them offensively. Uh, and defensively, they're still trying to find themselves and grow into themselves. But on paper, Seattle's secondary is, is awesome. I mean, especially if Jamal Adams is able to come back and not get hurt, which, you know, maybe it's pie in the sky, but hopefully— you got him. You signed Julian Love from the Giants. Quandre Diggs, one of the better ball hawks in the league. You've got Kobe Bryant, who really emerged as a key, you know, secondary oh. piece. And uh, you obviously are returning Tariq Mullen, yeah. who is a very good player. Not not great yet, but he's very, very good. And then, of course, your fifth overall pick in, in uh, Devin Witherspoon. So and, there's got, and Michael Jackson. I mean, they've got a lot of secondary guys that are very talented. Bobby Wagner is back to help coordinate things even though he's lost a step. Um, Jordan Brooks might not be back until, you know, early parts of the season. We'll see. And the defensive line, they're still pretty light up front, despite signing uh, Draymond Jones from from Denver. Whole point of, of that is if the defense can be, what, 15th best in the league, yeah. you know, total, in terms of maybe DVOA or, or yards, yards per game, hold up decently against the run, not get shredded for 200, like they did at times last year, and the offense is able to stay healthy and stay balanced, I think Geno really is that guy. I don't I don't think he's a top 10 quarterback in the league, but I think he's probably top 15 for sure, and it's a very favorable contract. I think 10 wins is a reasonable expectation for Seattle this well, year and getting to the playoffs. And you
1: talk about their defense. The NFL's changed so much where you know it's not necessarily about the run game anymore. It's about stopping the pass, and you need those guys to stop the teams like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, to stop the Eagles with A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith you need quarterbacks you need secondary I think the Seahawks with their depth and secondary I think they're going about it where it's not about the big boys up front it's more about you know on the outside can you contain these teams and not let them score a bunch I think they're going about it the right way and it's a little different than what you've seen in the past but you know the running backs just have been so devalued where now it's about stopping the pass and not about the run
0: yeah well and I wonder if the pendulum swings back this year and teams' offenses start recommitting to powering the run game because the NFL cyclical. We see this all the time, and everybody started playing too high, you know, safeties about, you know, three or four years ago, you know, and that was a, a Tampa 2 concept that Monty Kiffin had back in the day. Yeah. You know, and then the Seahawks in Legion of Boom popularized the cover three single high safety the Earl Thomas playing deep safety allowing your other safety to play in the box and a bunch of teams copied that for a decade and now we're we're seeing the two high shell come back which again is more soft against the run the Brandon Staley Vic Fangio tree you're playing three down linemen and, and two linebackers that play edge well that's designed to allow you more creativity in the pass defense but what are the Chargers struggle at run defense like to what seattle struggle at last year because they started to migrate to that scheme a little bit it's like half and half what they're doing now struggle defending the run and if enough teams are playing that scheme and they're vulnerable against the run i wonder if offenses who are to your point so prone to be pass heavy because that's where you get your explosive place i wonder if the pendulum starts to swing a little bit back more this year where you're seeing a lot more teams being willing to pound the football as long as they're getting four yards, five yards of carry, and be like, you know what? This is a more efficient way to do offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is interesting because it's a proven way to win in football. Uh, run the football and be tough and be physical at the point of attack right there. Like, that's won football games forever, and it still you, wins football.
0: You games. just, Pete Carroll is listening right now, and he's so excited.
1: Yeah. I mean, but you, I mean, <laughs> think about Oregon State, like what they did last season. They, they didn't throw the football, they just run the football. It, it's, been, it's a proven way to win if you can do it correctly. If you can do it, if you've and got that, the O line. That's the difficult yeah. part. If if you can do it correctly. Seattle
0: does not have Oregon State's O line right. from, from a parallel standpoint.
1: They don't got a Damian Martinez either. That guy,
0: oof. he's awesome, man. But that Beaver O-line, line, they got, you know, what is it? Josh Gray, left tackle. Talies Fuaga right tackle. Both first-team all-pack 12 guys. Levin Good at center is a freaking kick-ass beast. And then Machalczyk, I mean, what a blessing to have Jim Michalczyk be the O-line coach in Corvallis, Oregon. Like, I... You know, people, you know, hopefully, I think Beaver fans appreciate him for sure. But yeah. that dude is some secret sauce that is he's getting a little, little more I yeah. he's getting got a little more think He's got the big more pay love. raise, yeah. you yeah. know, talking about him. But this dude coached in the NFL for a long time. I mean, Mitchell Schwartz, who was an all-pro tackle, he credited Jim Machalczyk as being, like, the first guy that really coached and developed him to, to the guy that he was and became. Like, it's such a secret weapon to have the best online coach, probably one of the best online coaches in America, bar none. In Corvallis, orchestrating that Beavs run game that's so dominant, and it raises the floor of that program so significantly. It's great to see.
1: And then you got the mind of Jonathan Smith on top of that. Like, yeah, and they're... Lindgren. I don't understand. Lindgren, I yeah. think
0: Lindgren also he's he's a he's a guy like I think he's got a really good mind for football, good offensive mind. He's the play caller after all. And I think you know Jonathan Smith's he's you know naturally the first guy to point to to give credit and rightfully so. But I think Lindgren is. More than earned his own positive reputation as a play caller in football.
1: We're gonna find out a lot about the Beavs. This kind of transitions to a Beaver topic here, which I like. I love mm. it. Uh, but we'll see a lot about the Beavs and their coordinators this season because they did lose quite a bit. Uh, you know, defensively, Trent Bray. How does he react? They lost some on offense as well. The receiving core, Anthony Gould. You know, he's solid, but he's not like a prototypical receiver who's gonna you know get open, run all the routes. Like this is one of those seasons where if the Beavers coordinators are as elite as we think they could be. That's how this team gets to 10 wins. That's how this team gets to 11 wins. If they are, you know, they're just average coaches. Maybe they're back at six, seven wins. I don't know. I'm excited to see it. I can't wait. Football's back. Uh, Week one right now for college football. Week one for the NFL starting next Thursday. Chiefs taking on the Lions, of course. John Canzano is in Salt Lake covering the Florida-Utah game. as That's the end of the first quarter there. Uh, John will be back on tomorrow, as Judah and myself are affiliated say, But John will be back tomorrow.
0: John will be live from Salt Lake tomorrow thanks to our uh, friends at KSL Radio in Salt yes. Lake City.
1: Yes, he will be there. He'll be live. He'll be talking about uh, the upcoming games this weekend. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back uh, from break here. We'll talk about some of the Pac-12 games that I'm looking forward to, some of the spreads, what we think could happen right here on The Bald Face Truth.
2: Back to the bald-faced truth with John Canzano on 750, The Game.
1: Steven Vaughn, Judah Newby in for John Canzano as John is down in Salt Lake City covering the Florida-Utah game. He will be back tomorrow. Live on the air from our uh, friends in Salt Lake City as he will be talking about the game tonight, talking about the preview of the upcoming uh, week one games in the Pac 12 on Saturday. He'll be back tomorrow as Judah and me will be uh, bringing it home tonight. Uh, Right now, right now, it's, uh, you know, I'm still early in the first half between Florida and Utah. Good game going on there. But I do want to talk about, Judah, I want to talk about some of the other Pac-12 games as well. Earlier we talked about Boise State-Washington. We talked about Colorado versus TCU just a little bit. Um, I don't know if you gave an official pick on the Colorado-TCU game, but uh, it's 21 points, TCU's favorite. I- I'm going to take Colorado plus the points. I don't think they can win the game, but I do think that they stay within that number.
0: Yeah, I'll take the, the horny toads in this spot. I think this is you know where horny toads show up, so I will lay it with Sonny and TCU. Horn- Texas Christian.
1: That's how the horny toads walk. Horny toads walk like this. What's
0: that What's that uh, movie? I think it's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That's what it is. Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was uh, the first horny toads reference I can remember. But it was a good one.
1: Never, never seen it. Never seen it.
0: Soggy bottom boys.
1: Not surprising that I haven't seen it. Um, another game that I find of uh, a lot of intrigue here, Judah. First off, why is California going on the road to Denton, Texas to play North Texas? It doesn't make any sense to me why they're going on the road to play North Texas, but they are. Uh, that spread right now, 6.5 Cal is favored over North Texas. That game is uh, very intriguing to me because we talked about, um, you know, Spencer McLaughlin. He loves Cal this year. He loves him. Locked on Pac-12 podcast, Locked on Ducks podcast. He, he writes for us at 750 the game. game. He uh, guest-hosted earlier this summer. He loves California this year. I don't know what to think of Cal right now. You know, I I, I watched some of this spring game. Sam Jackson, the transfer from TCU, former uh Horn, horn Frog, Horny Toad. He uh, he comes in. He looks good, but then after practices, you know, there's reports that he doesn't look as good now. Like they still don't know who's going to start. Uh, I don't know what to think about this Cal team, but. Six and a half points on the road at North Texas. It seems like a weird game to say, Hey, we're gonna go on the road and play in Denton, Texas and take on the mean green. You know, I would lean right now, Cal, but this seems like a spot where Justin Wilcox has lost some of these games. Wilcox seems like the coach that when California is not expected to win, when they're double digit dogs, that's when he comes out and he plays well and he coaches well and they win the game. When he's favored like this on the road, They've lost some of these games. They've you know, had them fall. I worry about this game for Cal against North Texas, but you know, right now I'm leaning Cal, but I'm not sold 100% of why you even go down there, and I'm not sold of the outcome of the game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of a, a weird spot. Frankly, I'm surprised Cal's favored by, by what they are. I thought North Texas was a pretty strong program uh, for FCS, and obviously Cal's been down in the dumps for a while. I want to buy into that quarterback, but... I mean, I feel like that's a spot for a young quarterback to kind of uh, make some mistakes and and, uh, get over his skis a little bit. I'm a little concerned about that one. I'll have to look into it a little bit more, but right now I'm with you. I'd kind of like the Mean Green in that spot, but because Cal, to your point, they've not played well as a favorite, and they always seem to spring one as an underdog at some random time. I remember they were a favorite against Colorado last year, and that was like Colorado's only win, wasn't it? Yeah. was beating Cal, and I was like, geez, Justin, what are we doing? and but at the same time, you know, they make the change at offensive coordinator. Bill Musgrave no longer there. Uh, they brought in, uh, you know, the, the former Texas Tech guy, Kevin Kingsbury guy, so, uh, Spavital. So I think that will serve them well. Um, but you're right. It's a tricky week one spot for the Golden Bears.
1: Yeah, Another game is uh, Coastal Carolina. They're traveling to L.A. Take on UCLA. UCLA 14.5-point favorites at home over Coastal. Now, Grayson McCall, he's back for Coastal Carolina. He's been there forever. Really good historic quarterback there. Chase Garber's getting a start for the Bruins, Chip Kelly announced. But uh, Chip Kelly also said that Dante Moore is going to probably get some playing time. And I'm excited to see what Dante Moore can do, the talented freshman out of Detroit. This is I, I have no idea what to think about the spread in this one because there's just a lot of unknowns. Coastal Carolina's new coach. But I'm excited to see what Dante Moore can do. Uh, Jane Rashad had been announced as the Arizona State starter. We'll see him tonight. Dante Moore, more highly touted than Jane Rashad. Rashad to get start day one. I can't wait to see what Dante Moore does. That that guy has a lot of hype around
0: him. Yeah, I think he'll probably have a couple of highlights out of the gate, you know. And, and UCLA, I expect them to play better than they did, you know, a couple years ago against Southern Alabama where they barely beat them at the Rose Bowl yeah. in, in a Week 2 game. UCLA can be inconsistent early in the season. But I think Moore is that guy. You know, obviously he was that close to coming back to Oregon before Bo Nix just had to come back. So, You know, I think Duck fans will be watching with a side eye at Chip Kelly. And uh, if Dante Moore gets some playing time, which he probably should, how how well UCLA does. But I expect big things, though. Oh,
1: man, I can't wait. It's coming. It's coming real quick. It'll be this Saturday, week one. Uh, But that'll end the show today. I want to thank John because I want to thank Judah as well for all the help. Always. John will be back tomorrow live from Salt Lake City. He'll be live on the air here talking about everything that's going on in the Pac-12 and previewing all the week one games. This is the Bald Face Truth. I'm Stephen Vaughn on the Bald Face Truth Radio Network.